Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos to help us continue to make high quality and Torytainment for you. I remember playing this song when I was 12 for this boy. I'd written a song for this boy and everybody knew in the school about it. And he threatened to beat me up if I played it. And it was going to be in front of the whole school, you know, assemblies. His name was John. Well, you know, I had braces and pigtails and he was dating the girl, Sylvia, you know, 14 and should be, you know, um, on the front of a ship, you know, one of those. And the point is, <laughs> she, um, I sat there wetting my pants. I mean, my knees were water. He was sitting right there with all his cute friends. And, you know, what are you going to do? You're 12 years old. You have a crush on somebody. And you really want to say, you know, buddy, in 15 years, I'm not going to have braces anymore. And I'm not going to have my knees like water. And I might be an interesting person. And, you know, you shouldn't be so mean to me. But adolescence is that time when I think it can be the, it's the cruelest place on earth. It can really be um, heartless. And I played that song. And um, everybody knew what was going on. Needless to say, he didn't beat me up. And he came up to me and said, that was really better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I haven't heard from him since. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori Amos. We are your hosts. I'm Ephraim Jr. And I'm David Anderson. And on this episode, we're talking about Take to the Sky, a B-side from Tori's first album, Little Earthquakes. This house is like Russia. Hi, David. Hey, Eve. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm ready for our trip. You ready to take to the sky? <laughs> yeah. I have 60,000 miles and I'm ready to go. Uh, yeah. Did you get me a seat in first class with you or did you stick me in coach? Your coach, because I could only get one first class ticket. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know. This is going to turn into a bridesmaid's moment. I'm going to sneak up there. So we're taking to the sky, huh? Yeah, we're taking to the sky. What's your preferred airline? <sighs> AMOS. <laughs> AMOS Air. <laughs> AMOS Air. My preferred airline for 29 years. For 29 years, you've been flying with AMOS. Mm-hmm. That's going to bring extra special meaning to the live lounge, you know, when we ascend, when we do take to the sky in the elevator. Yes. 
How have you been? I've been pretty good. I'm trying really hard to not accent every line that I speak by hitting my piano on this episode. Mm. So I feel like that mm-hmm. would get annoying real fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to contain mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I'm only going to laugh in that tempo. That's creepy. I like it. Thank you. What was the first time you heard Take to the Sky? Do you remember? Like it was yesterday. I do. Like it was yesterday when I got that limited edition single, the winter single. Me too. And you know, this is a banger. I think it's literally (laughs) Literally. a banger. There's a lot of things banging around. Yep. It's really percussion heavy. Where would the song be without the fallboard? I know. If the piano was just a flat surface, like the keys were at the same plane as the strings, this song wouldn't be what we know it today. Mm -hmm. This song became an anthem for sad middle school me really yes <laughs> that's cute i was very dramatic very sensitive and emotional which i know might surprise you i just really responded to the song especially the bridge and i particularly mm-hmm. linked it to i had a big crush on my cousin's boyfriend at the time and i would sometimes hang out with them and they would take me places and i would just like stare at him longingly and then i would go home and listen to take to the sky and be like if you don't like me just a little why do you, why hang, do you hang around, around? <laughs> oh I continue to be delighted and amazed by our similar experiences in life. Really? Yes. Because the bridge, I remember as clear as if he were standing here with me right now. This kid I knew in high school named Stephen K. I won't say his last name. But I had a crush on him. But it had nothing to do with him. It just was that he was the only other gay guy I knew. You know? And I was like, oh, gay guys must marry. (laughs) Like any port in a storm. Yeah. Yeah. So I really liked him. And I was like, I would longingly stare at him and related that moment in the bridge if you don't like me just a little well why do you hang around totally and yes similar similar and then would you ask yourself why do you take it take it take it uh-huh yes and still to this day this song will come to me or like i'll really connect with the song when i'm feeling like a hot mama that's not getting a the treatment she deserves yeah. you know how often do you refer to yourself as a hot mama i'm a hot mama what's that from that's from a song. What is that? I think it's just hot from mama. you. No, no, no. How often do I refer to myself as a hot mama? Ever since 2009, when Tori did the Police Me improv, where she called the security guard, she's a hot mama <laughs> doing her job. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> me too. It's okay, honey. You're okay. I love this song so very much. This is another intimidating track for us because not only is the live section enormous, this is this song grew up. You know, we've watched the song grow up. Not only is the live section enormous, but this is like the first song she wrote for the Earthquakes. We've got to do it justice. No, this song has a long and storied past and the live section is going to be as expansive as the sky itself. The live section itself will be like five parts. We'll have to do it in five episodes. All right, I'm here for it. 
I'm going to now ask you the question that's on all our listeners' minds. Did you hook up with your cousin's boyfriend? No, he was an older man. Did he ever notice you? Well, he noticed me in the sense that, like, I think on occasion he knew that I was in the same room. (laughs) On occasion. Yes. I actually went to their wedding, and I just had to sit there. (laughs) Like, it was nothing. Did you object? (laughs) I did. I thought about it. It's like, I object to this heterosexual perversion. (laughs) Yeah. The guy that I had a crush on in high school, he was obsessed, obsessed with Madonna. Like, next level, next level. And Madonna's a hard artist to collect. What do you mean you know? next level coming from us hosting this exactly. show? <laughs> he, no, he rose to the occasion that I presented before him. Like, Tori was my girl. His girl was Madonna. That's it. But he would spend money, honey. Like, he would, there was, like, a Madonna collectible, like, I guess a Madonna fan club. I don't know. There was a Madonna fan club in a way that there wasn't a Tori Amos fan club. But I remember him purchasing a lot of stuff all of the time mm. his entire room was covered in madonna and madonna's a really difficult artist to collect because there's so much out there you know because she's popular all over the world poster like there's just so much i could never even start that would be like trying to be a serious collector of like taylor swift well you yeah there's a lot of stuff you're right about that if you guys had gotten married would your first dance have been to a mashup of take to the sky and sky fits heaven absolutely not <laughs> oh okay our first dance would have been to tori's cover of frozen really <laughs> i love that cover have you tried dancing to it no have you tried exploding into a flock of ravens to it i also haven't talked to that kid since about that year so i can't imagine us having gotten married do you imagine him frozen in time at that age is that why you referred to him as a kid yeah i guess maybe i uh i broke up with him friends wise because he was mean to me by not loving me you unfriended that's a good reason yeah i thought so (laughs) (laughs) i'm unfriending you because you do not love me thank you goodbye yeah have a seat well, I, I, I take was to just going to say, let's see what I take to the sky. Thank you. Goodbye. Those are the original lyrics. Were you like, there I go again, wearing those purple panties? Mm-hmm. Mm. Again. That reminds me, too, of my favorite moment in Silk Stockings when Crystal Chappelle is about to shoot Rob Estes. And she's like, look at me all dressed up in my little horse suit for you. I can't believe you managed to pin it down to one favorite moment of Silk Stockings. That's yeah. challenging. <laughs> Well, Crystal Chappelle was only on one episode and she was in love with Rob Estes and shot him because she wanted to be with him. If I can't have you, no one can. Mm. So she said, and while she's dressed in this like red little teddy, look at me all dressed up in my little horse suit for you and you don't even want me. In my little horse suit. Yeah, my little <laughs> horse suit for you and you don't even want me. Would you look at me all dressed up in my little horse suit for you and you don't even want me. That's how I feel every time I go out in public. <laughs> me too. To Trader Joe's in my flip-flops. Oh, yeah? I'm like, here I am. I'm giving you everything. I'm here in my horse suit and you don't <laughs> care you're just asking me if i need bags that's how i feel the eagle my hoodie i'm being real here have we taken a moment to discuss the fact that tori seems to prefer her undergarments in purple you want to just get into that line right now tell me tell me why what's another well she mentions purple panties and take to this guy and purple garters and father lucifer so they're a matching set oh, i guess Oh, interesting i wonder if they got separated in the laundry which is why they don't show up in the same song maybe maybe and i'd also like to know if she ever gets a wild hair and decides to match her purple garters with her orange knickers well yeah purple and orange do go really good together they do aren't they complementary colors on the color wheel i don't know or they tertiaries i don't know it's been so long since my interior design course <laughs> the tertiary colors i bet oh god we've already gone through so much content we've already looked at tori's panties she's already shown us mm-hmm. her panties in act one should we talk about our guests who is on this flight with us i'm thrilled to announce also on this flight in business class alexander leger small mm. here to talk about his love of take to the sky is that exciting that is exciting we love alexander leger small 
I get the window seat, just saying. Well, yeah. You cannot put a tall person at a window seat. They need the aisle to stretch their legs. Give him some respect. I know. Traveling with a tall person is difficult. He may be Alexander Leger small, but he's actually Alexander Leger tall. Oh, my God. I love that. Oh, God. Poor guy. I'm sorry, Alexander. We also have Tessa Jordan, who emailed us right after I had put together the last Take to the Sky episode, the 15-minute one, back in 2016. She emailed saying she wanted to be on the episode for Take to the Sky sky and it was about to come out the next day and I said oh no we finished it and I never thought we'd have a chance to have her on the show for this song but now that we're redoing it we had to have her she's waited for five years Tessa Jordan isn't that awesome yeah and as always we would be nowhere without our archivist Shay Stymac mm-hmm. shake to the sky take to the shy yeah yeah <laughs> you've got me moving in a shayerkel this house is like Russia. <laughs> <laughs> But my priest says you ain't shaving no souls. My doctor shays. We can shay it one more time. <laughs> Why do you shake it, shake, shake it, it, shake, shake it. it? Thanks, Shay. Thanks, Shay. Now let's listen to a cover of Take to the Sky. This is by Sarah Rabda and Self-Employed Assassins. We love it. And you'll find it on our show notes page at songsatoriumist.com. This house is like Russell. and go to um, to Becky. I, I believe she she actually she knows you. Hi, Becky. Yeah. Hey, you're on with Tori. Hi, Becky. Hi, Tori. I don't know if you remember me from uh, high school. A uh, long time ago. Okay, help me out, Becky. Well, um, I knew you also because our dads knew each other. Uh, he's a minister, Reverend Pointer. Oh, right. Yeah. Is your dad still preaching? No, he just retired. But uh, your dad is the same profession, is he not? Yeah, he, yeah, and he's still preaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really, he's into it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he, he just retired this year. But um, I think he gave me the uh, your first album from your dad. Oh, right. <laughs> I think my father was giving them away for free. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, um, and I really enjoy your new album. And, uh, I, I get the feeling that some of the, the songs are from your upbringing. Is that, is that true, from being a preacher's kid? Well... It does have a bit of an influence. Yeah, I, I can relate to a lot of the things I think that you're saying. And I'm... Yeah, I just, I'm just a firm believer that whatever your choice is, I respect that as far as what your faith system is. Mm-hmm. But a lot of kids, especially, you know, they really need some room. 
to exercise their own ideas. Mm-hmm. They need some room to um, discover for themselves. And so much of it just gets shoved down our throats. Yep. And and I don't believe that that helps anybody. It just makes us resentful and um, it's real stifling. So that's what I talk about a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was good talking to you. Well, thank you, Becky. Nice I've, talking to I've you been again. Following your uh, your career, especially lately. Well, thank you. Really enjoy it. Hi to your dad. <laughs> Play him leather for me. Do what? Play him leather for okay. me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Take to the Sky by Tori Amos first appears on the winter UK CD and 7-inch vinyl and cassette singles on March 8, 1992 in the UK, March 1992 in Germany on CD, and November 1992 in the United States on the limited edition maxi single winter CD single and cassette limited edition that still you can buy brand new in the stores right now. This is my favorite Little Earthquakes release, I think. Aside from the album, my favorite single. Without question, for sure. Yes. Absolutely. Everything about it, the packaging, the B-sides, everything. so good. The handwritten lyrics. Yep. Everything. With the exception of the Little Earthquakes VHS, this is probably my favorite. Like At the time that this came out, it was like my favorite thing to have. Yeah. Better than the China single, better than the Crucify EP. Better, like Loved it. Loved everything about it. The Little Earthquakes VHS is so good. Absolutely. We were lucky to get that. Yes, we were. It was so intimate, so real. That helped me fall in love with her more than the album, honestly. Also, can I tell you, for a brief moment when I got the Little Earthquakes video when I was like 12, 13 or whatever, I was like, maybe this will be the thing. Like, I really love Tori. I really love this woman. (laughs) Is this going to become sexual? Am I entering puberty? Like, is this the moment where I'm like, oh, good, it finally kicked in. I am attracted to women. No, definitely not. It has always my whole life skeeved me out whenever anyone brings up my love for Tori as if it were like a romantic or sexual love. I'm like, ah! Who does that? Like, when you're a kid in high school or 19 20 or whatever and people would be like oh you love Tori Amos and she's so hot like on the piano bench like oh my gosh no I would be the pearl clutcher I had like a really poor quality bootleg poster of the pig photo in my room Uh uh-huh which pig photo sorry just kidding (laughs) (laughs) well to be fair she is holding the pig on the back of the album too but you know Mm -hmm. the one Mm -hmm. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. I got it from a record store and it was like the scan was really bad you could see like hatch marks on it and it was in black and white I was like why did I buy this but anyway I hung it up (laughs) (laughs) because I would buy anything Tori at that point same same I had it up in my bedroom and my like grandpa came in there for something at some point and he was like oh I can see why you like her and I was like why because she's breastfeeding a pig like (laughs) oh my god yeah totally but yes i feel the same way when anyone would like sexualize my love for tori i was like stop it yeah i love this packaging i love everything about this here are the credits for the song backing vocals by beanie nancy shanks tina gullickson and tori miss we did interview tina gullickson on our crucify episode you can go back and listen to her interview she's delightful bass and guitar by jeff scott who we've also interviewed on this show bells the sleigh bells paulino da costa who we have not interviewed on the show but i have a connection with him through someone i work with His husband plays in a band with him so I, it's just a matter of time drums the irish war drum was by eric ross mixed by eric ross Piano vocals by Tori Amos, produced by David Seegerson. They loved an Irish war drum this era. It was on Winter, <laughs> sure on Take to the Sky. They're like, finally. Heck yeah. I think the Irish war drum is the theme of this single. It is. <laughs> the wall was the theme of the China single. Yeah. Winter, Irish the theme war drum. is Irish war drum. 
Category mm-hmm. is Irish War Drum. For 500, please. Do you think that Tina Gullickson and Nancy Shanks recorded these backing vocals the same day they did Crucify? Yeah, I think they did, yes. I do. Great. I do believe so. <laughs> I believe it was one long session. Mm-hmm. Maybe even two days, Tina Gullickson said, mm. but she couldn't remember. This song next appears on Welcome to Sunny Florida, the DVD, which was released in May 2004, which chronicled the final show on the Scarlet's Walk Tour in West Palm Beach. I just want to live to fashion to hold me in the dark. I know I got some magic buried deep in my hoodie. Love it. We next see this song on two original bootlegs, one from Royce Hall in Los Angeles on April 25, 2005. The second one was recorded in London on June 4th, 2005. That was the gospel choir show. Why do you, why do you take in, boys? Why do you, why do you take in, Cause these are these are houses. How did it feel to have Tori playing at your alma mater? I had not yet started at UCLA. I started that September. Wow, I did not know that. Yep, that happened. We next see this song on Up Piano, Disc A, Little Earthquakes Extended, released in September 2006. And this little tidbit from Tori Amos discography says, Take to the Sky is not labeled as being an alternate mix, despite that the backing vocals are different than the winter single version. It's not labeled as an alternate mix, but it is. It is. This is why we do what we do, because we can't trust anything. have a bone to pick with this version this version is disappointing to me i have to why? say because what? you're gonna come in with that energy because it's a different mix and it's not labeled as such they're trying to pull one over on us oh. and i have to say <laughs> it's missing one of my favorite moments which is i call it the doorbell during the second and my pre says there's the boo 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 you know like chimey yep. noise it's not there and i love that because i really do think it sounds like the doorbell i'm like that's my ride have a seat while i take to the sky i gotta go like why isn't it there <laughs> and my pre says and my pre says 
I do think it's there. It's just a little faint, though. Such a cool moment. That is a cool moment. Yeah, you know, you'll always have it, David. You can always pull out the winter single. You can That's always too hard. Do that. What about the people that were for years begging for a version without the doorbell? Like, it's freaking my dogs out. Can we get a version without the doorbell? <laughs> they go crazy. They start barking. They think it's the yeah. UPS man. Exactly. And they finally got what they wanted. I would not put it past entitled Tory fans who are like, next time you put out <laughs> Take to the Sky, can you remove the doorbell noise? Right. I wouldn't put it past them either. <laughs> can you perform it without the doorbell? Much like when you perform Tallulah, can you do it without the tornado intro? Thank you. I know, as someone did in 96. Yes. But what you just said implies that she does it with the doorbell. <laughs> like she just has it. I wish. Like attached her piano and she just presses mm-hmm. it at that one moment. I wish she had like a little chime thing like the principal in Greece when she makes the school announcements, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bong, bong, bong. Uh-huh. Be an athletic <laughs> supporter. <laughs> <laughs> We next see the song on four, count them, four, Legs and Boots, Boston, Massachusetts, Buffalo, New York, Cleveland, Ohio, and Chicago, Illinois. 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 Ooh, what do you take it now? What do you, what do you take it, baby? What do you, what do you take it, boy? Why do you, why do you take it, baby? Why do you... The song next appears on 2010's From Russia With Love special edition that came with the Lomo camera. Have a seat while I take to the sky. Gonna take to the sky. Tell the world We both know it was a girl Back in Bethlehem The last time we see the song so far to date in her official catalog is when it appeared on Little Earthquake's Deluxe Edition Remastered, released in April 2015, which it is a shock to me that that was already six years ago. I know. Like, that just feels like yesterday. It, the time is going so fast. I know. So we're going to get a 30th <laughs> anniversary release. Oh my gosh. Don't say that. I don't understand how Little Earthquakes continues to age, yet I stay so young. I know. But you're both flawless. Thank you. Do you remember the first time you heard the song? I do. I might have put it on and gone into the bathroom to listen to it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? You know, the same way that Tori likes to write some of her songs in the bathroom and like beat her body fat. I decided yeah. to go into the bathroom <laughs> to listen. It just felt like, you know, it was like a cozy, cocoony place to be. I'm going to mm-hmm. go into the bathroom mm-hmm. with this music. Yeah. I do remember listening to the single. She told you to have a seat and you did? Yes. <laughs> Oh, dear. I remember listening to it and being so surprised after the pool. Because, like, already you have winter, right? Then you have the pool, which is just a completely different sound. And it's very exciting. And then suddenly you've got just this, like, beat, which was, I don't know, it was really, it's a really great song. It's a really great B-side. You know, it's just, like, fun. I don't know. It's really great. I like the sequencing a lot. Me too. And indelibly paired together forever take to the sky and sweet dreams mm-hmm. always like i can't separate one from the other you know what i mean i do i think i was surprised by the full band sound of it and i was still getting used to the idea of b-sides being like fully produced and not kind of like tossed off solo piano songs like it's clear oh. that this was a contender for the album and it's probably the most percussive song from this era aside from precious things maybe 
Well, it falls in line too with like Mary and Sweet Dreams. Take this. They all have that like similar sound. That's you know? true. Where it's like percussive, but it's like happy percussion. Or like there's like a little 80s in it, you know, like it's kind of dated a little, but in a good way, you know, it's like a little holdover. How did you feel about it the first time you heard it? Because loved it. I'm team loved solo it. and you're team band. I love a ballad and you are not here for a tender moment. So, but here's the thing. Back then, there was no such thing as team band and team solo. We were talking about the little Earthquakes VHS, like watching that. I just assumed, I never even thought there would be a band. Like it didn't even occur to me or enter my mind. It was always just her and the piano so mm. I was just team Tori so, so what you're talking about b-sides I was so young that I didn't even understand the concept of music like how you bought things what did you think you were listening to <laughs> no I mean like how like things were released I didn't know things got released on a specific day of the week I didn't know like b-sides were songs that didn't make the album I for some maybe I thought that b-sides were songs written for the single you know so it didn't occur to me that they just weren't album I don't know why it sounds silly but it's true but in the same way there was nothing that she had put out on any of the singles that I purchased or the album that I didn't assume she could play solo at the piano mm -hmm. and that that's how we would hear it forever you know just because of Little Earthquakes is so big at the end but it appears on the VHS she's solo right so that's just who she was as a performer and I thought that's what, what always was going to be what was it about me that at age 13, I was thinking of this with like my record industry hat on? I was like, ooh, they know. spent some money on this B-side. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You were a little mogul. I don't know where that came from. Your beret and your cigar. I was. I was like, And ooh. a turtleneck. Mm -hmm. I look like the mm -hmm. Raining Blood character. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to the quotes, I have a little tidbit that I discovered on my own that I've never heard of before. But as I was researching Take to the Sky on Discogs, I found out that there is one version of the winter single that has Winter, The Pool, Take to the Sky, and Sweet Dreams, a four-track version. But it was mispressed, and the artwork says Mr. Big to be with you, which is their single. Oh my god, I love that song. But you put on Mr. Big to be with you? And it's Tori Amos Winter. Oh my God. I need it. Me too. That would have mm -hmm. been a really good, or it is a really good companion song to the sentiment of Take to the Sky, at least as I experienced it with like unrequited love. It could have been like, if you don't like me just a little while, I'm the one who wants to be with, be with you. you. Deep inside, <laughs> I hope you feel it too. Deep inside, I hope you take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. I thought instead it'd be like, you know how when you order something, like when I was in high school, I would order Out Magazine or The Advocate and it would come in a brown envelope on discreet. I know, that was contraband, like it was pornography. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about Mr. Big. Like it looks like Mr. Big, but you put it on and it's Tori Amos. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you do? Just... Like what would people do if their mailman found out they were homosexual? The mailman would have to tell the parents. They, it's it's the mailman code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an unspoken agreement people don't know about between parents and mailmen. Yeah, you take an oath. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you take a pledge, a pink lady's pledge, the mailman pledge. This song also has the distinction of being on the very first submitted cassette of Little Earthquakes, the very first one that Tori submitted to Atlantic, with a track listing as follows. Crucify, Silent All These Years, Mary, Leather, Somebody Leave the Light On, which became Mother, Winter, Sweet Dreams, Upside Down, Russia, One, which became Take to the Sky, Happy Phantom, and Flying Dutchman to end the album. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, it's just so hard for me to imagine a world in which this would have been the album. I'm just baffled by the way she was titling her songs originally. Did she think Take to the Sky would be too on the nose? She's like, I know, Russia, which I say one well, time. Okay, twice, but still. That makes me think whether or not Russia was like a big influence on the song more than we realized because the Cold War was happening I in was the late 80s. Say, you're right. Yeah, the Cold War was happening. Russia was a major topic on everybody's minds. If Even my favorite show, Rags to Riches, did a Russian episode. <laughs> Everybody was talking about Russia. Did she think she would get airplay if she titled the song Russia because it seems so political and topical? Well, maybe. And also, like, back to what we were always questioning, was she courting controversy? Mm-hmm. Was she trying to get that little attention? But it's not nice to Russia. This house is like Russia with eyes cold and gray. So Russians are cold and gray. Maybe that's why she changed it. I think if you look closely at the single, her red hair that's, you know, spelling out her name is actually there's a hammer and sickle hidden in there. Oh, the Russian flag. (laughs) Tori Amos is a communist. She's courting controversy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is her confession. That would have really sent my parents into a tizzy. They're like, is Tori Amos a lesbian? Is that why you're gay? Also, is she a communist? (laughs) This house is like Russia. Perfect in every. Way. <laughs> yeah. You can find this version of the album on our Spotify. We're the Sideways Society on Spotify. We have a playlist already up. It's been up for a long time. And it is our playlist Tori Amos, Little Earthquakes, WTF. What bothers you about it? May Ray? Yeah, it just wouldn't be as impactful. Like Mary, clearly a B-side, Sweet Dreams. This is almost like a different artist. I would have to kick off Mary and Sweet Dreams for sure. Upside Down can be on there, sure, no problem. She was finding herself, David. She, she was, was growing up. Would you like Mother as much as you do if it were called Somebody Leave the Light On? You know, (laughs) I probably would. I wonder if she retitled it because of Belinda Carlisle, who had a single called Leave the Light On. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Probably then. Nobody wanted to be mistaken for Belinda Carlisle. I'm just kidding. I loved her. Circle in the sand. Is that from Truth or Dare? Doesn't Madonna do an impersonation of Belinda Carlisle? Does she? And she gets oh like God, a masseuse cut. to beat on oh, her yeah. back. And she's like, Ooh, baby, do you know what that's? Oh my God, me and Madonna are catty. We're catty bitches. Oh my God, you are a catty bitch. And both notoriously hot mamas. Hot mama. Yeah, Belinda Carlisle had a single called Leave a Light On from her album Runaway Horses. Oh my God, was Tori just plagiarizing from Belinda Carlisle? She's like, Maybe. all the runaway horses will leave the light on. That's what everyone was doing. We were all into horses and lights. Mm-hmm. Everything was fine. We were all horse girls in the late 80s. This is from interviews, www. I imagine this was like a worldwide web thing in mm-hmm. 1992. The interviewer says, I understand Take to the Sky is about Why Can't Tori Read, your last group album. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, that's what it says. She laughs. Why not save these tunes for the next album? There's a part of me that wishes I would have hung on to them. But, you know, if I save it for the next album, I'll feel like I'm trying to hang on, crossing my fingers, hoping I will have retained that place. See, I got a lot of acceptance out of this, and I can't go into the next project holding on to that. I have to go now and explore some more because that's one reason you respect me because I went into this exploring, completely expressing for the sake of that. And I feel like if I held on to the B-sides, I'm holding on to the past because I feel I've reached something instead of going, wait a minute, I can make another dish, but it's got to be here. 
points to her chest. And I feel like so many artists try to make the same record over and over and over again or hold on to that time. But you know, when everyone else passes you by, all the people that are listening to you, one week you try to hold on to that moment and they've moved on and you have to move on. And it's a scary thing because people might not like the direction you take, but you can't stop growing. And I know this here points to her head. So I have to apply it because I realize it's the only way to make exciting music because I have to challenge myself now. This is something I've always respected about her and it's just so surprising to me that an artist in the same year as her debut album came out is already saying like I will continue to grow as already committed to growing and doing whatever happens in the moment rather than trying already aware that a lot of artists fall into a trap of trying to make the same record twice. I love that. I love that she seems so unfazed by like the glamour of it, you know? Like she's mm. going to she's just going to be true to herself whenever she talks about the failure of why can't Tori Reed forcing her to decide if I would rather play in piano bar my entire life than make another dishonest song. I really believe her because here in 92 extant interview she's already talking about it you know well we know she's very prolific as well but i guess she had confidence in herself to know that she would have enough material for a Mm follow-up album and she wasn't like oh Mm -hmm. i better keep these babies these little cuties for my next album just in case i don't get more songs she put them all out there her tank was empty we know her to be prolific now but she knew her to be prolific then (laughs) and i'm glad she didn't save these songs a we wouldn't know her how we know her now if she didn't have any b-sides it wouldn't be like a whole collector culture Mm-hmm. But not only that, these songs would have made a weird second album. That's so true. Tori Amos's follow-up album, and then it opens with Mary, Sweet Dreams, Take to the Sky, in 94. No, thank you. No. She did the right thing. And she's a smart business lady. The world had changed. Free Willy had come out. Oh, yeah. The world had changed. And it's never been the same. And I haven't heard from him since. This is from Tori Amos, the authorized biography. After yet another dark period of self-examination, Tori decided to appeal to the muses that had provided her with so much inspiration and companionship back in the days before she knew what a record deal was. She proceeded to create a fairy ring like an old Celtic ring on her living room floor. Quote, I brought in sticks and things from outside, from nature, and put the things that I was most connected with inside the ring. Whenever anyone came in, they had to step over my magic ring. My friends came by and looked. They didn't say much to me. They all knew I was doing my fairy shit. Adding a set of empty envelopes to the ring, Tori sat inside the ring and began to write again, vowing to give each envelope a song title. One of the first envelopes to get a name was Take to the Sky. Early in 1990, apparently worried about the likelihood of their receiving a set of hits by the March deadline, Atlantic contacted Tori to inform her that they were sending someone to see her to give a bit of a boost with the lyrics and music. That just usurped my confidence even more. I said, they don't think I'm capable, said Tori. Hence, David Seegerson, future producer of half the tracks on Little Earthquakes, arrived quite literally on Tori's doorstep. Is that the doorbell? Oh, maybe. Maybe that's the actual recording. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. It's me, David Seegerson. He didn't stay for long, however. After listening to her play Take to the Sky and a few other pieces, he proclaimed that Tori did not need any help and gave both artist and record company the conviction to move ahead with the album. After several weeks in the studio recording the 11 songs born of Tori's fairy ring, the tape was sent up to the bigwigs at Atlantic. And that's the tape we talked about earlier. 
I loved this description of her process in the fairy ring so much when I first got this book. I would like reread that section over and over and I was like, oh my God, she's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I always thought like her writing on the envelopes was because that's the only paper she had. It were envelopes. <laughs> <She just laughs> like, that I really did. To a sad place. No, like that's a, a, like a struggling artist, you know, like that's what she had and that's what mm. it just, it was like an artist thing in her little studio apartment. I think it's adorable. Yeah. I think it's so cute. She was like, sorry, I can't send you my rent check because because I use the envelope <laughs> to write Take to the Sky on. Do you think she wrote the lyrics on the envelopes or put the lyrics inside the envelopes? I think she just wrote them on the front. The lyrics? No, the song titles. Just the song titles. You don't think anything ever went into the envelopes? Maybe. What do you think she did with those? I was just thinking that. That's I just know. That thought has never occurred to me before until right this moment. Do you think she kept things like that? No, she probably sent them to Billy, her archivist. Billy from Precious Things? The old family friend who's been her like historian for years and years. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's still doing it, but yeah, that guy. Where does stuff like that end up? He has like a temperature controlled storage room, I think. Yeah, but what's the intention? Like at some point, do you have like an installation or an exhibit? Well, he said in like a Take to the Sky fanzine or Little Blue World or something like that. In a fanzine, he said like the value of the collection is in its entirety that he can't separate it because it's like the point is that it's all of it Mm -hmm. and that he doesn't know what will happen to it when he's gone. Mm -hmm. You can just give it to us. Honestly, I would take it over. And so will my firstborn child. We would be good stewards of Tori's archive. Yeah. Absolutely. I would absolutely do that. I'd also pay rent on that storage control room. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read this from Pitch Magazine, October 1998. Pitch Magazine asks, what do you look for now with your success? And Tori says, freedom. It is always about that artistic freedom. And it always has its consequences. Sometimes you don't fit in with the trend of the time. You have to be willing to ride with that freedom. You have to know what you want. Nothing is a given. There are a lot of characters that run through my songs. I switch roles a lot. Sometimes there are threats. There's a mixture of many things in the work. I respect her so goddamn much. (laughs) Tell me why. (laughs) Because she says sometimes you don't fit in with the trend of the time, and that's okay. You have to be willing to ride with that freedom. You create your own trend. Yeah. She has created her own path. She's carved her own path, and she has usually not been popular at Mm -hmm. the time. You know what I mean? She's usually not been, like, the height of popularity at the top of the charts. You know, you've got to be okay. Like, if you want artistic freedom and to do everything you want, then you've got to be okay with that. And, like, when she sings on Ocean to Ocean, there are those who never give a goddamn... (laughs) There are those who don't give a goddamn. That whole section, you just have to be unapologetic. You just have to do, you can't think about how people are going to receive your shit. You just have to, like, does she know she's creating such a hook? Like, that's a hook. I will sing that to the day I die. There are those who don't give a goddamn. Yes. (laughs) Like, it's perfect. It's a perfect moment. It's fun. It's awesome. And like, I I love everything about it. But like, you've just got to be confident to write something like that, I Mm -hmm. think. Anyway, do you not respect her? I'm still on the fence. She hasn't quite earned my respect yet. What would it take for her to earn your respect, David? Free pizza with every album purchase? Free pizza? That's a great idea. So you can have your pizza and your sad songs every once in a while? Yeah, that's what I want. I want a margarita pizza with every copy of Ocean to Ocean. Oh my god, I love a margarita pizza. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about Take to the Sky being the first song that she wrote? Like David Segerson also says he heard that song and some others. And it was the first song she wrote on the envelope. She also says, as we'll discover in the extensive live section at the end of the show, she always says it's the first song she ever wrote for the Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? Do you think when David Segerson came to her apartment and she played it, she knocked the piano with her fist the way she does live? No, I don't. Okay. This is important. You really had to think about it. I did have to think about it. I was trying to remember the 92 versions I heard. Mm-hmm. 
She doesn't do that? I don't think she knocks in the 292 versions mm. I will play later. I can't recall. Because, of course, I've listened to all of the takes mm-hmm. of this, guys. I watched her evolve. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you're watching your child grow up. She grew up. She became beautiful. A woman. A woman. A woman. I don't know if we're splitting hairs here, but my understanding was that China was technically the first song written in the sense that it's a holdover from the mm-hmm. Waikantori Reed era, but maybe she means that she specifically wrote it for Little Earthquakes. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, because China doesn't appear on the track listing for the cassette. These were the Little Earthquake songs, and they only plugged in China later. That wasn't maybe in her mind an earthquake song right. so much. I believe she has said that it was a holdover from YKTR, right? Mm-hmm. Like she had written it start like in 87. Yeah, don't we even have copyright on it from, oh, yeah, from the do. 80s? Yeah. Yes. 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 At certain points, too, I thought she had acknowledged Crucify as the first song, but maybe they came around the same time. I don't know. Maybe. They're all the first song. They're all the first song, and they're all her favorite. Well, this is what she says on VH1 Storytellers on October 24th, 1998. When she plays it, it doesn't air though but she says take to the sky was the first song that began little earthquakes after why can't Tori reed was deep in the toilet i was living behind this church i started to really get into the rhythms of it all the catholicism but being protestant i must have been catholic channeling so there you go mm-hmm. why don't you read this from rolling stone june 2nd 2015 Tori says take to the sky came out of the failure of why can't Tori reed i began to see how the record industry really operated how it worked when you were successful and how it worked when you weren't I saw the buddy system and the networking, and I just said, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to take to the sky. And all I have to do is be true to the muses. That is all I'm going to do from now forward. So the song was my prayer and my answer to the music industry. I think you can really hear that, especially in the bridge. It does sound kind of like a prayer and incantation. I love it. Yeah. Musically, you hear it. Lyrically, you definitely hear it. Absolutely. And she delivers it with conviction and confidence and like no fear, you Mm -hmm. know? And for some reason, this quote sort of solidifies to me why she played it at Rough Trade during her first performance for Unrepentant Geraldines. Mm -hmm. I felt like she was reinvigorated and Tasha Mm. told her, you know, you got to go out there, just you and the piano and like rock it. So I think she was sort of thinking back to this time when she was like giving the record industry the middle finger. And she was like, yeah, she really was a hot mama at that show. Hot mama. She blew everyone's minds by playing part of Daytura as the bridge. She was a hot mama. Hot mama. And she was doing her job. Mm-hmm. This is from Stereo Gun, October 11, 2016. I had to make some changes in my life, Tori says, and I had to confront some stuff. I had to confront the idea of mending and control of my life, whether it was corporate or the industry, whether it was my dad, whether it was whomever. I thought, no, I have to be an equal in my life, as far as not just performing and writing and being the type of artist people want me to be. That, to me, is not honest. That, to me, is you aren't responding as a songwriter to what is happening in front of you today and writing about that. But you're creating in a way that everybody has agreed is acceptable, and to me, that is not a liberated woman a liberated woman who happens to be a songwriter says no i need to write some truthful space whatever that truth is at the time and this was her truth and she has continued to make good on that oath absolutely even with ocean to ocean when she started over like the songs that she had written weren't resonating with her anymore so she decided to write from an authentic place i was thinking that when you read the quote where she's like all i have to do is be true to the muses she was she threw she scrapped a whole album yeah she don't don't care she don't care about nothing but the muses she doesn't give a shit only the muses the muses nine are there really nine that's a lot that's a lot of muses i know I can't even fit nine people in my apartment. What about your car? My truck I can, yeah. <laughs> but we're splitting gas. Chip in, muses. Let's yeah. not take a page out of Shaggy's playbook. I know. <laughs> I'm sick of carting you around for free. I'm sick of hearing it. Who are you, Shaggy? Um, shall we get into the line by line? I think we should. Have a seat. This house is like Russia. With eyes. 
house is like Russia. What is this house? Is it the record label? Is it the music industry? That's a really good question. I never put any thought into it. I guess I would have assumed it was like a kid in their house. Like, I hate you, mom and dad. Yeah, that's kind of how I always thought of it too. I feel like the song was written from a youngish place. And even though she said it's a reaction to why can't Tori read and a response to the record industry, she does mention like her father or mm-hmm. a father. So yes, that's how I've always experienced it. Plus, you know, as an anthem, like we've kind of talked about for young us's. Young Tory mm-hmm. fans or angsty... Young wheeze. Yeah, angsty teenagers. It's so like, ugh, this house is like Russia with the cold, probing eyes of my parents. Yeah. I can't wait to get out of here. But our Russian eyes, I guess we didn't have a really positive opinion of Russians at the time. Fed through the media, shock of my life. Mm-hmm. And we just assumed that Russians were hard and cold. And I think that's why this line is like that, with eyes cold and gray. I've always felt like this line, too, has an element of surveillance. By an authority figure, maybe parents who are like watching and kind of nosing into your business, you know, listening in on your phone calls. For sure. Eyes cold and gray, like they're watching you. Yeah. I want to go back too, because I've also could have seen this as like a reaction or a response or a comment on like a partnership because you got me moving in a circle. You got me moving in a circle. To me, that is, you know, like when a partner just like, you got me wrapped around your finger, do you have to let it linger? (laughs) You got Mm -hmm. me moving in a circle. Mm -hmm. But... Even if this is to the record label, it all makes sense if it's to the record label or the music industry, which that's a great thought that I'd never had before. Let's explore that a little bit. Okay. Because if, as the quote says, like it decimated her confidence by them saying like, we're sending someone over, you got me moving in a circle. Like you trust me and then you don't. Mm -hmm. You're letting me do this, but then you're not. You're sending mixed signals. You're sending mixed messages. So I can see that to the record label with that quote we read earlier. Yeah. And you know, Tori has also said that essentially people stopped returning her phone calls, let's say, Mm -hmm. after YKTR. So I feel like that's part of this too. Like, oh, you've turned on me. You've gone cold. Oh, interesting. And you've got me moving in a circle. Kind of like you were saying, that to me is like her trying to figure out what people want or to be what people wanted, including the record industry. I think it works on all of those levels. And that's what's like really genius about this Mm -hmm. is that it can work to anybody that is just pissing you off (laughs) or not believing in you. I also like the idea of her moving in a circle being the fairy ring and that Mm. she's kind of like casting a spell, weaving her secret spell and her Celtic circle. Mm -hmm. Is that how you always thought of it? No, but I like the idea. How did you usually think of it? Just kind of stuck in a pattern or again, trying to meet expectations and give people what they want and feeling like you always come up short. On again, off again, hot, cold. Mm -hmm. I dyed my hair I dyed my hair red today. Imagine little young Toriamus's face the first time she dyed her hair red and saw like, wow, this is a look. Do you think she knew an icon was born that day? Obviously she did because it made it into a song. Mm -hmm. And this is obviously the first time she's dyed her hair red today or it's not notable. To me, it's always just red as the first time she's ever dyed her hair red today, right? Yes. I always felt like this was Tori and I sharing a secret. For some reason, when I was young, I thought she was really trying to just like carry off that she was a natural redhead as if if that's any sort of natural hair color. And I was like, are we just like not supposed to say anything? Like we know it's dyed, but like, are we supposed to say that? And then when she said this in the song, I was like, oh, okay, okay. We're acknowledging that you dye your hair. Kind of like Lucille Ball, you know, on All of Lucy, there are several references to the fact that she dyes her hair. And I'm like, okay, good. As long as we're all being upfront about it. (laughs) Yeah. As long as we're clear. Mm -hmm. I just imagine, I don't know what the correlation is between hair and a relationship, but like when you break up with someone, you dye your hair, you cut your hair, you know what I mean? Like that is a pattern that a lot of people engage in. Have you done that? Yeah, I have. Never dyeing my hair, but definitely I like cut all my hair off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I sure did. Couldn't have been happier. It's really satisfying to do, which you've probably never done, but to do like Sigourney Weaver and Alien 3, where you kind of like shave your head and then you wipe the moisture off the mirror and like clear a space and you look in your own eyes and you're like, God, I'm battle ready now. Is that what you do? Totally. Fun. I just want a little passion to hold me in the dark. I just want a little passion mm. to hold me in the dark. Mm. I am going to tell you that initially, when I first heard this song, before pouring through the handwritten lyrics, I heard this as, I just want a little patience. Oh, interesting. And I liked that better as a kid because I wasn't really ready to get in touch with my passion yet. <laughs> and what I was really craving was patience. And when I read passion, I was like, mm, I like patience better. But now passion totally makes sense. <laughs> so it's funny because any mentioning of passion from Tori Amos or sex, you're like, no, I'm not ready. I don't want it. <laughs> Resident hot mama. I just want a little passion to hold me in the dark has at times read to me like I want a man but most times it's read to me as like i just need myself to have like a fire i need something to drive me like that's something i care about mm -hmm. and usually it doesn't read as a man but sometimes it's read as a man what do you think i think it carries both mm -hmm. like wanting kind of affection or love but also yeah kind of creative passion that maybe she felt like she had sold out for yktr she's trying to reconnect with that and that seems very tied to the next line, too. I know I've got some magic buried deep in my heart. I know I got some magic buried, buried deep in my heart, yeah. I can do this. I have confidence in myself as a composer and songwriter. And I can do things that other people can't do. I agree with you. To me, those two lines are completely connected. And the second line, I know I've got some magic very deep in my heart, is an answer to the first line. Like, I'm, I don't need to look outside for passion. I have it inside myself. Mm -hmm. I know it's there somewhere. I've just got to, I got to find it inside. Mm -hmm. I file Take to the Sky under this sub-genre of Tory positive self-talk songs. Oh, cute. This is like a mantra. This is. I wish you had told me we had sub-genres. We do. Well, I'm establishing that now. We're still in the little earthquakes era, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't touched any other album yet. That's mm -hmm. right. We have plenty of time. What's interesting to me is what you said earlier about YKTR and how this comes out of the failure of YKTR and how you just mentioned the phrase, how she felt she sold out for YKTR, which she has said herself, like that comes from her talking about it. And imagine the pain of that because there's no way she was making YKTR in the moment feeling like she was a sellout. In the moment, she said and is quoted as saying, like, it's the record I wanted to make. And in the booklet, thank you for helping me make the record that I've always wanted to make. Mm-hmm or something to that effect. And she was gung-ho about it, 100% about it. And it's fun, you know, it's a fun record. I would fun. be proud of it too. But like at a certain point, when people stop returning your calls, like you said, when you're a laughing stock in the music industry, as she said, you just realize like, that was not my best work. Like how sad it is to realize that, you know? And like what filters your work has to then go through to make sure it's honest. You just really have to put it all out there at that point if it's going to be, I don't know. If you really believed in that and then it failed and then you like look at it and like, well, what went wrong? I really believed in that as I was making it, but like... Do you really think she just meant thank you for letting me make an album at all? No. she she'd I really think... been trying to get signed to a major label, she was like, thank you. No, I think she really liked it. Okay. I really... It was fun. But my priestess, you ain't saving no souls. But my priest says, you ain't saving no souls. I have a theory. I think the priest, the father, and the doctor are all Dr. Edison Amos. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. 
Edison Amos is like Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, I think he is all of these three. He is all three of these things. He's a priest, he's a father, he's a doctor. And I believe that he is the one who not only ushered her around, was like her first manager, you know, like really encouraging her and also like dragging her out of the house and finally like lifting her out of her first depression after getting kicked out of Peabody to make sure that she continued to make music. But like also he's her publisher and like you just took it to the limit. Sounds to me like something like father would also say. I don't know. What do you think? That's possible. It is possible. I happen to think that they're three distinct characters, but... Why? I just, you know, the way she says she was channeling Catholicism, I think she's just imagining a conversation with kind of a spiritual advisor who's like, what do you really want to do with your work? Because you kind of sold out a little bit to put out YKTR and you weren't really like saving any souls with that. Like that wasn't a substantial work the way that I think you want your work to be. Or like the way art should be. Yeah. Art. This is kind of frivolous... It's just entertainment. You're not really contributing anything meaningful. Yes. Yes. Regardless of whether or not it's a Catholic priest, as you believe, or her father, the minister, as I believe, I think you've hit the nail right on the head with the interpretation. It's Mm -hmm. like, you're not doing anything of worth. Like, Mm -hmm. this music that you've made, trash. Garbage. My father says you ain't making any money. My father says you ain't making any money. Well, Edison always had a strong work ethic, and he certainly instilled that in young Tori. Yeah, he is Mr. Dollar. Mm-hmm. I can imagine this almost being based on like a phone call they had where Tori phoned <laughs> yeah. home from L.A., weighing in, kind of like Mother Mother, Tracy Bonham. And also, like if she moved to L.A. at the age that she did and struggled as she did, obviously her parents are, it seems like she has parents who would support her financially while she gets on her feet, Mm -hmm. you know? So you ain't making any money. Like you got to make some money because we're not going to support you forever. And you better not use your allowance to go shopping at Retail Slut. Again. My doctor says you just took it to the limit. limit. Mm. This has always bothered me because a doctor would never say this to you. And a doctor would never say to Sinead O'Connor, Girl, you better try to have fun no matter what you do because he's He's a a fool. fool. No doctor would ever say that to you. Maybe your therapist, actually. And a therapist can be a doctor. I stand corrected. Did you look at this doctor as a therapist or did you look at it as like a general practitioner? I (laughs) I looked at Tori going for her physical. Really? And he was looking down at his clipboard and he's like, "Mm, I don't know. You just took it to the limit. (laughs) No, I sort of imagine she talks about going to... Hugo's after YKTR and like laying her head on the table. She was sitting at, I just imagine her having kind of like a breakdown and actually going to the doctor and him telling her that she's literally pushed it to the limit, I guess. That's probably very accurate. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way, but when she says doctor, my doctor says I always thought of it as like a regular doctor, but now I'm thinking of it as like more of a therapist. Mm. What did she take to the limit? Her health? Probably her out of pocket maximum. Her copay? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, you're covered now. <laughs> yeah. And here I stand with this sword in my hand. And here I stand with this sword in my hand. Mm. So all of these things lead up to her. This is like the behind the scenes of what happened leading up to taking those photos. Like, here you are. Yeah. Yeah. All these people are advising her against it. And still here I stand with this sword in my hand, which seems to be a great moment of shame for her. You know, she's maybe made peace with it now and thinks it's under fucking rated now. But at the time, great moment of shame and a great moment of embarrassment for her, probably. Yeah. And this also seems like a very lonely moment to me. And I feel like this is her sort of really writing to when everyone kind of abandoned her. And she's like, I'm literally just standing here by myself with a sword. Oh, my God, I look so stupid. How did I let this happen? 
And you know how recently, maybe within the last year, there were like additional YKTR pictures that came out yeah. that surfaced and we put them on our Instagram. So they're still on our Instagram in our feed. There's one picture that kind of is wider or like a different angle that I makes me feel like I see her in the photo studio, just like alone getting these pictures done and what must be going through her head at the time. I don't know. This is very like a lonely is a great word for it. Mm-hmm. Very sad moment. And you're picturing her, and here I stand with the sword in my hand, is the cover of YKTR. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very literal. Yeah, I can also see that as like a figurative moment too. About the literal moment, but like, here I am with the sword in my hand still, in a way. Like, I don't know, for her, having that be a marker of like, rock bottom, you know? You can say it one more time what you don't like. Who's she talking to? In this moment, I really think it's the record industry. And I'm just imagining how she talked about sending out demo tapes and hearing no or not getting a response for so long. And then she finally got to put out this major label album and it flopped. And this is her just like at her wits end, like, all right, give me what you got. Let me hear all your criticism and all your nastiness one more time. And then I'm just going to launch into that chorus. Let me hear it one more time then. I love the inclusion of the word then. As you said, as she's about to launch into the chorus, which is like a really rousing moment emotionally and like musically, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, positive self-talk, as you said, what'd you call it? What was this? Was that the subcategory? Yeah. This is Tory affirmations. Yeah. So it's a moment where you feel uplifted. As she's about to ascend, let me hear it one more time then. It seems to me like she's gearing up. The then really sells it to me. I don't know why. Like, come on. I'm about to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> Remember when Oprah got sued by the beef industry? Mm-hmm. She has talked about that sort of experience recently. And she had a moment where she was on the stand and she realized like, oh, I am not this person that I have been made out to be in this situation. And it was like really liberating for her. Like suddenly, not that she didn't care, but she sort of like transcended what the moment was and just had had this confidence like I am not this person and this is not actually what's happening and I feel like that's what's going on with Tori here like I know Mm. that I am not the woman that is on that album cover which itself must be so liberating like you said yeah like that freedom because if you know you're about to do great things or you know that you're capable of so much more than people give you credit for or believe in you for like how exciting to show them up you know Mm -hmm. have a seat and just watch you always find a way to bring it back to Oprah. I do. She's the great mother. The great motherfucker. Have a seat while I take to the sky. Have a seat while I take to the sky. Sit down. Like, have fun down here. Yeah. I imagine, you know, Tori is really good at quieting a heckler. Like, this yeah. is, get out of here. I give my albums to people who like music. Are you with her? Yeah. You go with her. I give my demos to people who like music. Yeah, David Segerson. What if she'd just come in and said that? She snatches the cassette out of their hand. <laughs> My heart is like the ocean. It gets in the way. My heart is like the ocean. It gets in the way. Same. Don't tell that to Ocean Ocean. Mm. Uh oh. You don't get in the way, girl. What does that mean? The ocean is massive. The ocean is huge. So is her heart just so big that she wants to please everybody? And that's what gets in the way? Yeah, I hear a couple of things in this. This is one way to me of saying, like, I'm really sensitive. And sometimes it's hard to exist in the world as sensitive people with others who aren't. Mm-hmm. Who, in a kind of harsh world, walking in the world as a sensitive person, I think is kind of what's happening here. But I also think this is kind of a nod to selling out. Like, I wish this was easier for me to do. 
I wish I could just be sort of comfortable, like trying to find industry success on whatever terms that is and not feel like I betrayed myself, but yeah. I'm not able to do that. So close to touching freedom Then I hear the guards call my name So close to touching freedom Then I hear the guards call my name like she's writing these really honest songs. She's making this really meaningful music to herself that she finally believes in. And the guards, maybe the record label guys, pull her back in, reel her back in, mm -hmm. call her up on the phone and say, we're, bringing, we're sending someone out there to you. Mm -hmm. You know, like that idea. I hear that. I also hear kind of like harsh inner criticism. Like maybe like she's she's moving. her own guard. Yeah. Like she's sort of deep in this depression following YKTR and she's moving on from it. But then, you know, she gets roped back into it. Just sort of sitting with all those feelings around this experience. Or maybe acknowledging too that the freedom that she was so close to touching was YKTR. That she felt like she was going to be that musician that she'd always wanted to be or going to be successful at it. Mm -hmm. And then it just didn't work out that way. And my priestess, you ain't my father says he ain't making any money. My doctor says he just took it to the limit. So then we have the chorus again. And I'm like, okay, I've heard it before. I know I ain't saving no souls. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say it again. This time with higher backing vocals. Saving no yeah. souls. My father says. I love it. She really has like a girl group. That's Tina Gullickson. Backing her, yeah, yeah. with Beanie and Tina Gullickson. Which I truly believe she should do on tour. I think she should take Tosh on tour on stage and have her sing backing vocals. Um, Why not? Or us. I mean, well. <laughs> yes. And I can also do that to close that door for Cornflake Girl. I would love to do those backing vocals. I know it's so easy. easy. It's not Beulah Land. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking it deep. Taking it low. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Just because we record first thing in the morning. I have my morning voice on. Mm -hmm. And here I stand with this sword in my hand. To me, like, I know it's a chorus. And I know that the point of a chorus in a song, you do it multiple times. But the fact that it's the chorus, it feels to me like again and again, I'm standing here with the sword in my hand. And that's why it becomes figurative is what I was trying to say earlier. Like there is a literal moment where that's her rock bottom, but then that's the symbol of hitting rock bottom again and again. Like I'm still here. I'm like, anytime that you are dishonest, you're standing here with a sword in your hand. Mm -hmm. And that's what I meant when I said figurative. I think it's literal and figurative, and I also think, like, obviously a sword is a weapon, and she fought really hard to get where she was, then she ultimately feels like she's nowhere, and everyone has mm. abandoned her. It's mm. like, why did I go through all this? If you don't like me just a little, why do you hang around? Question for the ages. How do you read that line? If you don't like me just a little, rephrase that to be exactly how you hear it. How genuine is this relationship? Are you just coming around because you think I'm sort of ascending the ladder of success and you want a piece of it? Or do you actually like me as a person? Interesting. You totally rephrased it. <laughs> I was going to rephrase it like, if you don't like me even a little bit, that someone she's hanging around with doesn't like her at all. Why do you keep hanging around? Mm -hmm. But I like your interpretation better, which is like, yeah, it's probably like a bunch of hangers on. And obviously the blessing in disguise of why can't Tori read is that like the hanger ons probably dropped away. Mm -hmm. I also have always thought of finding out that someone you thought was your friend was talking badly about you to other people oh, and yeah. saying really nasty things. And I kind of feel like that's captured here too. 
Mm-hmm. It's I like, agree if you that. think so little of me, then why are we even friends? Why are we spending times together? Yeah. And I definitely, in high school, I was like rocking this song. I felt this part in that way. Yeah. And they were like, well, I don't have a choice. We have homeroom together. Yeah. <laughs> you know how like in high school, people talk mad shit, you know? Also now. I mean, there's, I don't talk shit about anybody. I can't, I have not had that situation in my life arise in so long that it feels like such a young thought, like to sit there and talk bad about your friend, you know what I mean? And then be nice to their face. Like that is a high school thing. So my mom and I should stop talking about you. You could do whatever you want. I don't care. Doesn't affect me none, Gaylene. It will when you don't get an invite to the cookie party. Well, I didn't this year, and I'm throwing my own. I know there is a one. Why do you take it, take it, take it, take it, take it? Why do you take it? I've never heard it as like, why do you steal someone's heart from them, right? But like now I'm trying to think like, I take the shit that you have to give and then you take my heart away. <laughs> like, does that make sense? Is that weird? Yeah, I always heard it as her talking to herself. Like, why are you taking other people's crap? Yeah, I definitely have heard it that way. But today I'm thinking like, why do you take it? Maybe even it goes into the live versions from 07 where she's like, why do you take it, boy? You take from me. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's linked to that in my mind. And I had never heard it really like that. But yeah, she's wild. Okay, so in the lyrics book, the 2001 official Tori Amos lyrics book, Take to the Sky, does appear in the book, but these following lyrics do not appear in the official lyrics book, although they are in the handwritten lyrics that came with Winter, and you can hear them in the song. (laughs) They're there. And the lyrics are, there she goes again wearing those purple panties. There she goes again wearing her heart. Mm -hmm. There she goes again. Why do you take it? Do you think those are her date night panties? Yeah, I think to her that's like her whore outfit. Yeah. Not like her laundry day granny panties? No, no, no. These are the good ones? Yeah. And there she goes again wearing her heart is her heart on her sleeve, right? Mm. There she goes again unable to control her emotions. There she goes again crying about being hurt or something, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but the purple panties line has always made me think of like trying too hard mm, or really? attention seeking. And I kind of think of like Tori in her leather pants conducting the mm-hmm. children's choir too, like trying to be provocative and kind of transgressive. It's like, ooh, here I am in my purple panties. Look at me. I like the way they look at me, daddy. Yeah, I agree. I feel like purple panties are even tied to maybe the thing she was wearing on Why Can't Tori Read yeah. cover. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And also feels like playing a part or like mm. playing dress up or something. Yeah. There she goes again, wearing her heart. So she's doing two things that I think are opposite, right? So if those are attention-seeking panties, then the heart is itself the truth. And therefore, these two things are like at war, kind of, with each other. Yeah, and I feel like that there she goes again, wearing her heart, is like going home and looking at yourself in the mirror and not liking what you see because you know you're not being true to yourself. Yeah. And it's that heart that's like the ocean that gets in the way. So right. And having to confront that, not only confront it in the mirror, but confront it in a song and say it out loud that like what you're doing is you're doing it for attention like there she goes again wearing those purple panties Mm -hmm. and she's obviously talking about herself because the song's about her so 
to really like see because you know what you're doing people know what they're doing then you know when you're trying to get attention but to come out and say it like you know i don't know these backing vocals are also so fun to sing mm-hmm. there she there she and also and i'm sure you've done it too it's really fun to do that do you mind if you don't like me if you don't <laughs> there's like a little kind of doo-wop vibe almost absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> my favorite part of takes this guy to sing is how she started doing if you don't like me just a little 2001 and beyond if for you not don't like him, that whole thing I, I feel like it. she started even earlier. No, it was, we'll see. In, uh, spoiler alert, live section. It's going to be a journey. We're going to chart the origin of if a you know a don't a like a me. If a you know don't a like a that. <laughs> <laughs> what, is that an accent? Like, what would we call that? If a you know don't like a me just a little well. Well, Lisa B, when she did it the first time, I remember the first time I ever saw her do that, which was Strange Little Webcast, 2001. And it was intimate. There was no crowd, you know? And she was like, if for you no don't like me. And she just like had her hand up. Like she was a sexy hot, she was a hot mama. She was a hot doing mama. Doing her job. Yeah. I remember like Lisa's like, we couldn't decide if she was rapping or if she was like Latino or like what. It just is like, a, it sounded very Mexican to me. Yeah. Well, that I've always thought of it as vaguely Italian. If you know, don't like. Yeah, uh, yeah. she's like, it's a me, Mario. If you know, don't like me. Uh. Yeah, it sounds to me Mexican. I can pick out a Mexican accent easy. Mm. Yeah. If you know, don't like me. Yeah. Like, she obviously loves this song, but that to me sort of was the moment when she had sung it so many times that she was getting bored. And she was just <laughs> like, like yeah, you all know I don't. Oh, I like that. I like this. Yes, I'm just going to do that from now on. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. The song is fun to sing. Also, I have a really hard time imitating that. Why? Like the rhythm of it to do the voice. Like if a you a no a don't. It's not like I can't no, do it. No, because you're adding you're adding one extra syllable. It's not you a. It's just you know. If a you no don't a like a. That's too many don't too. Like that doesn't really fit. But she somehow manages to do it. If a you know don't a like a me just a little well. That's how she says it. If a you a know a don't. I don't no, know. You're adding, I know. You're adding I an extra A. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If a you know don't a like a. <laughs> how hard is that? I have certain blind spots and limitations, Eve. One of them is rhythm and accents. For some reason, if you let me go too long, any accent I'm attempting to do will inevitably become Russian, which I guess is appropriate for this song. <laughs> but it's like, do an Italian accent. I am a Toriemos, you like take to the sky? If you no don't like a. If you don't. If no, you, you're putting an a. If, it's you're the putting ifa. an extra a. Yeah, if it's if you no don't like a. If you don't like a. If you if you if you don't a. Okay, if you don't a. If you no don't like a. If you no don't like a. Oh my God, you must be more frustrated than Nicole Kidman's dialect coach. <laughs> If a you know don't a like a. If That's a you perfect. know if, don't a like a me just a little while. If yeah, a you if know. A you, but you had a pause. No. <laughs> so it goes, if a you. Uh, see, now I've lost it. God, if Tori's a, you, a genius. It's so hard. If a you know don't a like a me just a little while. Yeah. That's as difficult as really nailing Che Yanes in Crucify. How's that difficult? Che No, but to do it with that level of control. Uh oh. Che Yanes. No, you're putting too many Yay's in there. I liked it. I just add too many vowels. I'm sorry. I'm never going to win the Tory sing-along contest. You're up against a pro. <laughs> I am. What's your favorite lyrical moment in this song? My Lyrics. favorite moment is definitely, if you don't like me just a little while, why do you hang around? 
Really? That's your favorite? Yeah. Interesting. Because the lyric is, if you don't like me just a little well, why do you hang around? I stand by it. Okay, good. What's your good. favorite moment? My favorite moment is, I just want a little passion to hold me in the dark. I know I've got some magic buried deep in my heart. Oh, that's good too. And I also really, really like, my heart is like the ocean. It gets in the way. Mm. Yeah. I feel like you're judging my favorite moment. I'm not. I love every moment here. There's no mm. bad moments, so I would never judge your... You tell me exactly what you think of me. Look me in the eye. You can say it one more time. <laughs> my heart is like the ocean. It gets in the way. I feel like that sometimes, too, you know? Like, why do I get so emotional? I get so emotional, baby. Yeah. I don't know. I love hard. I love big. My heart gets in the way. Mm -hmm. So that line resonates with me. What's your favorite vocal moment? I don't even know. I can't differentiate. Like, is Tori also doing the backing vocals? Of course. I think so, yeah. Do you mind if you don't? Is that Tori and Beanie and Tina? Or is it just... I think so. Anyway, well, either way, I'm I, going I, with that. Do you mind if you don't? Love it. I think my favorite vocal moment is the way she says, I dyed my hair red today. Mm. It's like a defining moment in her life, and I'm glad she noted it down in an early song. Mm -hmm. She'd have no way of knowing that she would be iconically known for that red hair. She did. I think no, that was the uh, first she, shade she chose. It was called Icon Red. And she was like, this is yeah. it, baby. My friend Joy Nash, television's Joy Nash, yes. always had brown hair and then had to dye it for a television role and loved it so much that that just became her, she dyes it now, she's always a redhead. Mm. I imagine like when you see something that works, you're like, that's me. That's my authentic self bottle dyed red hair mm -hmm. but yeah like it unlocked something obviously should we listen to yanta yeah i feel like i'm at a live show this is actually getting me I a know. little bit excited very exciting key of c you love key of c you know i love a mm -hmm. good key of c and a good kfc this actually surprises me i for some reason thought yanta would be doing all of the instruments. <laughs> the best part is, this is so easy to play, that riff, but it's so signature that you really feel like you're Tori playing Take to the yeah, Sky. Yeah, yeah, and then you hit the piano. I've done that too. Yeah. this that we're hearing it's a go at synth arrangement oh yeah additional synths by phil chanel mm -hmm. She's very gestury and performative when she does this live. During that pause there, I wanted to like whisk my hand over my head or like put it in front of mm -hmm. my eyes, you know, the way she does. Mm -hmm.
so slinky. To me, this fits in like this is very almost cabaret style, you know, like like nightclub, like jazz club playing. This section, the whole thing, it feels very upbeat in that way. And repetitive, but not annoyingly so, you know? I'm getting a little Peanuts. Oh, yeah, A little yeah. Charlie Brown there, which, you know, that's jazzy. Yeah. Jazz-influenced. I do love that playful staccato bridge, though. So good. There is a quote somewhere where she talks about listening to Vince Guaraldi, who did the Peanuts music. Mm-hmm. And there, and we've even mentioned it in another song. I can't think of what song we've talked about, but we've spotted a Vince Guaraldi moment before. Yeah. What if we uncovered the influence to this song? It's Tori doing her best Schroeder. Oh, maybe. Yeah. It is her doing peanuts. That was a good joke, David, whether you laughed or not. <laughs> it was. <laughs> nice piano playing, Chuck. You blockhead. <laughs> well, that was Yanta performing Tori Amos' Take to the Sky. You can support him if you go to patreon.com slash Yanta, where he's done almost all of Tori Amos' music as covers, as instrumental covers. And as I've always said, they make classy karaoke tracks. You just give them the track, you like airdrop it to them and have them play it. Totally. And then you, it's better than the karaoke Tori Amos stuff. So yeah, support Yanta. If you also really like sheet music, you can go to figuretoryout.com, which is our friend Paul Roy's website where he has online years and years of sheet music from the Figuratory Out Yahoo group compiled on that website. You have to become a member, but it's free to be a member. So figuratoryout.com. What'd you think of that? That was not as revelatory to me as it can sometimes be. I think the song is really bare piano wise, Mm -hmm. and it's clear that it's made in the production Mm -hmm. and band arrangement. Agree. I think she made so much room for the guitar and for the bass and for even the Irish war drum, like and just a little like the bells that you hear too. She made so much room for it by just keeping the steady beat, you know. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I love it. I I think that that's rare in this time period, you know, when it was all piano compositions and beautiful stuff. You know, there's only a few tracks that I think are really this bare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Oh my God, do it. What is your favorite musical moment? I like the signature beat. I like the main riff. Bum, 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 bum. It's like not even my favorite musical moment in this song. It's one of my favorite Tori Amos musical moments of all time. It is signature Tori. The moment you hear it, you know you're about to have six to eight minutes of a really good time. Six to eight like, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. Classic Tori Amos. Classic Tori. Dare I Tori. say iconic mm. Tori Amos. Mm. What about you? Well, if we're talking the studio cut, it's the doorbell. Bing, bing, bing. If we're talking just the piano arrangement, I really love the playing underneath the end as uh, she gets into You Can Say It One More Time and is repeating that. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of gathering storm clouds or it's really Mm -hmm. building to a crescendo under that. And then we get to that final, have a seed while I so good. 
That's your favorite musical moment. Favorite. So as long as she only plays that part, she can cut that whole dun 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 dun. You don't care about that. Yeah, basically. You're so subversive. Just like her. Here I am in my purple <laughs> panties. Courting controversy. Mm. <laughs> This is a cover of Take to the Sky by Nicholas Gorham, and you can find this on our show notes page as well, songsofToryamus.com. This house is like Russia With eyes cold and gray You got me moving in a circle I dyed my hair red today I just want a little passion Welcome back to the show, Alexander Leger Small, one of our favorite people here to tell us a little tea about TTTS. Hi, Alexander. Alexander. Hi, Ephraim. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Fantastic as well. Wonderful. You always sound like you're doing fantastic. How can I not have the biggest smile on my face when I'm talking to the chroniclers of, <laughs> like, the most important thing in my entire life. It's, it's always such a joy to be on the show and just have you guys doing the show. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Okay, we received an email several months ago from Alexander that said, not sure if you're prepping Take to the Sky yet. In February, he wrote this, and we were not. But I've got a little story about ripping off Tori and this song for a screenwriting class my freshman year in high school, and you know I want to share it, and you know we want to hear it. Set up the scene. We'll take a seat. Context is, I was a baby Tory fan. My mom was a Tory fan. I started listening to her when I was seven. I was also a big queerdo and left traditional high school and went to a performing arts school my freshman year. So I'm also very young. I was 13 my freshman year. I'm not still young. I'm old now. <laughs> so do you relate to the, the Peabody experience? Is that your version of going to the Peabody? I really can. I was nobody's prodigy, though. <laughs> So I'm this little queer boy. I'm going to the performing arts school. And instead of taking an English class, I'm going to get my English credit by taking a screenwriting class. And I am meeting other Tory fans for the first time, like outside of my immediate family. And I'm being introduced to the wider world of Tory. Like my mom had little earthquakes and under the pink, but I didn't really know singles were a thing. Like I was just coming into media as a teenager and like what a beautiful time for it so my freshman year i'm taking this class it's like super macho and 
like the movies we're watching and the scripts that we're learning about are like Chinatown and Network, like classic 70s, <laughs> noir masculine films. Probably in October, probably for my birthday, I got the winter single that had Take to the Sky on it. And having been a fan for such a long time, the singles were like almost new albums. There was just so much new content to sink my teeth into. And Take to the Sky took hold. I mean, how can it not? That rhythm. Mm -hmm. It's one of her most 90s kind of songs, you know, and I love a 90s diva, like a Lisa Stansfield kind of Kathy Dennis kind of vibe. And I feel like Take to the Sky is almost a pop hit. Absolutely could have been. Send it to radio still to this day. To this day. To this day. So I'm in this class and I don't know what I'm going to write for a screenplay. I'm 13. So I'm obsessed with Take to the Sky at the time. And I'm just like, okay, I am going to take the song and really vaguely sketch a plot around it about a woman who is a spy who dyes her hair red and has to go on a journey to Russia to fight spies. And the screenplay <laughs> was called A House Like Russia. And the opening line was, I dyed my hair red today. Uh, <laughs> I looked for it in preparation for this. I tried to find a copy of it or a floppy disk. Not that I could like <laughs> use a floppy disk now. But I could not. I'm pretty sure that the like first plot point area of the script she went to her father she went to her priest for like advice and they told her you ain't saving no souls you ain't making any money it was blatant and they loved it because you wrote them out you created these characters you can settle a debate between me and david you ready david well first of all i just want to say you can go a little bit easier on yourself you didn't rip tori off you were inspired by her <laughs> Thank you. Okay, the debate that we're having. Okay, I'm going to present you with a theory. My priest, my father, and my doctor. Do you believe that they could all possibly be doctor and father Edison Amos, who is also a minister? Or, I mean, obviously you wrote three distinct characters, right? I sure did. <laughs> I guess you win, David. Let me preface this by saying I love how there has to be a debate for every episode now that there is a contentious nugget in every Tory song and you will find it and you will find out whose side who is on. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, there's war in the Tory community at all times. I love that phrase too. I hope to be described as a contentious nugget myself. <laughs> you should change your Twitter handle. I just might. I've always thought that Father Priest and Doctor were all Edison. I don't know why I thought that. Why did I think that? I think it's witty. Do I think it's a little wittier than Tori can be? Maybe. Homegirl is a little literal sometimes. In what context did they say, like, you ain't making any money? Like, what was she looking for that your characters would tell them that? Or, or you just took it to the limit, girl? <laughs> so I don't think my characters can answer that question without being informed what I think that Tori is looking for. And I think it's like this exploration of the failure of why can't Tori read? And so it's looking for validation. And that's what my main character, Natasha, because <gasps> I'm so original. <laughs> How prescient, though. How prescient. I know. Also... If anyone's ripping anybody off, Tori is ripping you off. You gave her spies and Natasha. That's true. I know. Spies. Je suis. 
<laughs> so my character, Natasha, was like looking for validation for all of those people. And that's kind of what I got from that section of the song. Mm. Sadly, you didn't. You couldn't find it? No, I could not find it. But I can tell you it had to be 90 pages long. Like, 90? We were writing, yeah, we were writing from a very specific screenwriting text. And, like, you had notes you had to hit on every two or three pages, and it was a form to get you to a 90-minute movie. Yeah. It was very real. But, man, there had to be a lot of filler in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no idea what happened. I can't wait to see a 90-page script written by a (laughs) 13-year-old. You have to find it. Uh, I will continue to look. Okay. And I'm sure some other Toryisms, like, definitely snuck in there because as much as I'm obsessed with her now at 13 it was so much more so yes well at least you guys tried to obscure your inspiration I wrote a one act play in high school called Tallulah (laughs) (laughs) if you want to find out more about Alexander Leger Small you can spy on him on Instagram at Alexander Leger Small and I encourage you to do so and of course we'll put that in our show notes on our page songsofterimus.com Alexander always a pleasure you're the most joyful person we've ever known thank you for being here Thank you so much for having me. Love you guys. And thank you for your hard work. Bye. Bye. In a world where spies do whatever it takes to remain unseen, Natasha is looking for validation. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Natasha, my dear, you ain't saving no souls. Well, what am I supposed to do, Dad? This house is like Russia. You ain't making any money. Your eyes are so cold and gray. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, Natasha. You just took it to the limit. Coming this Christmas, a 90-page film from the creator of Queerdo and the father of Bartlett. Natasha, just have a seat. No, you have a seat while I take to the sky. I dyed my hair red today. A house like Russia. Have a seat while I take to the sky. I'm on the line with the hardest working woman on Facebook. Here is Tessa Jordan. She runs The Collectory, the hardest group to get into, and she's here with us today. Hi, Tessa. Hi. Tell us a little bit about this Collectory group before we get into Take to the Sky. Okay. Well, let's see. I started The Collectory in 2000. At the time, there was just 13 of us, and we all met on eBay. We were all competing for Tory items. So uh, I decided to introduce everybody to each other and we became a group. And uh, probably about half of us are still together in the current collectory, which I moved to Facebook a few years ago. I think it's about eight years ago now. And uh, yeah, it's for people who collect Tori Amos. Amazing, which we all do on some level, but what are your, how does one join your group? Well, it's a long known secret, but I will go ahead and say, because this might help people out, is um, I need people to be prolific in, in the Tory groups. I need you to join more than one group and I need you to participate. I'd like to see some Tory on your wall so that I can see that you are an actual ear with feet. And I need you to not be drama. No drama, though. No drama. drama. Yeah. Drama people don't get in. Yeah. Drama-free group. I love it. Yes, we are drama-free. It feels very fitting to have one of the biggest known tour collectors in the world here on this episode of the very first song she wrote for Little Earthquakes. Yes. 
And you wrote me, we had already done our original Take to the Sky episode. It was already in the can. And you wrote me years ago, it was like five years ago at this point, hey, I want to be on the Take to the Sky episode. And I said, oh, we've just finished that one or something like that, right? Mm. So this has been years of the making. I'm so excited we got to make this work. It's wonderful. Thank you. Tell me how you came to Tori. I came to Tori um, a very, very long time ago. I had a boyfriend at the time. I'm now married. And uh, I live in the UK, but uh, at the time I lived in California and I had a boyfriend lived on the other East Coast uh, in Connecticut. And he had told me that he was walking around town one day and he saw a flyer for um, this girl that was going to be performing at uh, a a local venue that evening. And he was going to go see her. And, And I thought, okay, cool. So he went to Toad's place and got a seat in the folding chairs. They were all folding chairs. And he was amazed. He ran home afterwards and said, oh my God, I'm sending you a CD and um, you're going to love her. And I did. That's so perfect. When was the first time you saw her? First time I saw her, I missed, I missed Pink, unfortunately. I had little kids, but um, I saw her the next tour. So mm. yeah. Do you drop in? Do you drop in. What is it about Take to the Sky that makes it your favorite song? Oh, well, it tells the story, doesn't it? It sure does. It tells the story. And um, I'm so grateful for the story. Mm. Because without the story, without what she had been through, we would not have who we have today. It took the failure of Why Can't Tori Read to create Little Earthquakes. Mm -hmm. I love it. What's your favorite lyrical moment? Oh, gosh. Um, Running for freedom and the guards call my name, you know. Um, But gosh, there's so many in in that song. I I just, once you hear that piano start, it just puts puts you, it is a moment in itself. You, of course, know that um, she's performed every tour um, with or without band, you know, which absolutely love that. Our live section in this episode is extensive. <laughs> Get ready, people. Okay. See, now this is, I live. You know. is, what's your favorite musical moment? Is it that like motif? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it sets the tone. Absolutely. Absolutely sets the tone. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Now, as a Take to the Sky super fan, what is your preferred bridge? If you're going to see her live and she does Take to the Sky, would you like to hear Detura? as the bridge, I feel the earth move as the bridge, Muhammad, my friend, as the bridge, or no bridge? No, no, definitely. The, I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a purist. I like no bridge, but I also like the Carol King. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So just take to the sky with its own bridge, or I feel the earth move. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, you're making me choose. I know. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big take to the sky debate. Because they're all beautiful. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with no bridge. I'm no going to go with no bridge. Right fair, now. fair, do it. Yeah, purist. What is one more Tori Amos song that you think could work as a bridge? Could work as a bridge and take to the sky. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, from the moment I heard it, and I don't know how it would, you know, I haven't, I haven't thought about this, so this is new for me. So, <laughs> you know, there is a sister song. There is a new sister song, and, you know, 29 Years is absolutely the sister song for Take mm. to the Sky. And would I love to? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because she plays a different repertoire every show. It's possible. It's po- you never know. You never, ever know. I would love it. 
Tessa Jordan, thank you so much for being here. You can find her on Facebook at The Collectory. Just try to get in. We dare you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This is an artist named Canel with her cover of Take to the Sky, which you can find on our show notes page, songsoftoriamus.com. the lounge david thank you do you mind if i have a seat please do <laughs> take it do you know what i'm wearing under these chinos purple panties purple panties here i go again actually complimentary at the door branded songs of tori amos mm. do you prefer purple panties or orange knickers i prefer orange knickers you do because i hate the word panties <laughs> i've said it several times today and i've cringed to myself every time i know it's yucky Aunties. It's just like a aunties, like my aunts, my aunties. <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. That sounds gross too. My aunties panties. I don't even like to talk about manatees. <laughs> my mom the other day was talking about doing something she didn't want to do. And she said, I guess I better just put on my big girl panties. And I was like, <laughs> feel free not to do that or say that ever again. Please. This AMOS Live Lounge is for the Take to the Sky hardcore enthusiasts only. Mm-hmm. Be warned, we're going to play any and every Take to the Sky there ever has been, which is over 250. We're just going to play them all back to back. Settle in. This is for the hardcore enthusiasts only, the people who really want to get in the weeds with Take to the Sky, who want to Take to the Sky with Take to the Sky. We're going to ascend together because I truly believe the song has had an evolution throughout her career as no other song has no other song what what about bells for her okay what about bells for her you think take to the sky has evolved more than bells for her that is radical i do think it has because bells for her let's chart it bells for her played 94 on the actual prepared piano on tour then 96 in the harpsichord then 98 with the band and it hasn't evolved really since 98 with the band in 2002 2003 with no guitar then it became that and it's really stayed there hasn't it Hasn't it? But then it went back to being solo. It was on the keyboard on Strange Little Tour. I don't know. I think it's changed quite a bit. Take to the Sky offers you something that no other song continues to offer you, which is at the bridge, you never know what's going on.
what's going to happen. God, it's so true. Yeah. You don't know where she's going to go with it. And I love it. She might not even do a bridge at all. Exactly. It might just be the half song and done. Oh, I'm getting chills. <laughs> In 1992, on the Little Earthquakes tour, we have Tori on record playing the song twice. Do we know if that's exactly how many times she played it? No, we can't say that for sure because we've lost a lot of set lists. There's precious few boots from that tour, but we have on record her performing it twice. And the first time we have a bootleg of it, and we know it's the first time because she says it. This is October 11th in Red Bank, New Jersey at the Count Basie Theater. Get ready, buckle in. take to the sky until october of 1992 yeah and she seems really surprised that someone is even asking for it so i think this song has had to grow on her i think that she didn't love the song as much as she got to love it you know she starts to love it over time because she would have played it sooner right she played other songs upside down for example I'm willing to say, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Are you willing? I am. And I'm going to say it. What the hell, Tori? Like, this is supposedly one of your favorites, if not your favorite song from this era, and the first one written, and you don't play it for almost a year on Mm -hmm. tour. I'm so confused by this. This is her performance in Amherst, Massachusetts, on October 25th at the Buckley Recital Hall with a little story. This guy you checked from Colorado. So I'm going to play the song he wants, and then I'll fix somebody's in. Have a seat upside down. Notable characteristics of the 92 versions, no knocking on the piano and no bridge. On the Under the Pink Tour, we have her on record performing it nine times. And the first time we have on record is in Boston at the Orpheum Theater on June 11th. But there is no bootleg. Maddening. Someone was at home taping my so-called life instead. I want to play this one from October 25th in Elmira, New York, at the Clemens Center. And this is the first time that I have her on record playing the bridge. First thing I wrote when I went back to the piano after um, trying to be Leo Ford didn't work out very <laughs> 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 
Why doesn't she play the bridge for the most part? It's like half a song. Once she starts playing it, she always plays it. No, there were many times into Do Drop In and Plugged when she didn't play the bridge still. Into Plugged, yeah. Once she starts playing the bridge, though, she never stops. Mm. Unless you count this performance. This tour being the anomaly, I just assumed that she had never played the bridge before. So I was really surprised to hear that she had played it in 94. The best part of the song. It's maddening. I agree. It's great. That's as suspect to me as when she leaves out the Oh Little Sister Coda of Suede. Like, what? Why? Why did you do this to me? Yeah. Gave me a half Suede. <laughs> For the End of the Pink Tour, she did this song nine times. But something really got in her head in Canada with this song because she only played it three times that we have on record for the whole tour and then within one week in Canada she played it four more times mm -hmm. within one week that's wild do you think in her mind she was up north and that's like up to her <laughs> so she's like taking to the sky geographically she's like I'm in the sky <laughs> obviously obviously that's what she was thinking this is interesting because on November 3rd in Ottawa at the National Arts Center she actually mentions Mark's name from the stage Mark I believe they were already a couple by that point. They sound, she sounded very coupley when she said yeah, it. Yeah, they were totally going steady. And the fun thing about Take to the Sky is that she like always plays around with it in the beginning. So on November 7th in St. Foy, Quebec at the Sal Albert Rousseau Hall, there's a little improv. <laughs> Here's one from November 8th in Montreal. She took the song to Tokyo. 
This one's going out to the fair motor maids of Japan. I call it TTTS. Oh, we haven't even talked about the abbreviation. TTTS. It's like the most satisfying abbreviation. And we all know what it means. November 22nd in Tokyo, she messes up God before and she decides to abandon God and just play take to the sky. She's like, I'll do you one better. December 8th in Sydney at the State Theatre. I love this little moment. I'm telling you, we have a million takes of the skies to play. We've already played 50 and we're only in 94. Mm. Maybe pause this now, get a drink. In 1996 on the Dewdrop In Tour, Torium has performed this song 31 times. Uh, that's just tour performances, not even her promo performances. She played it three times on the European leg of the Dewdrop In Tour, including the very first two shows, but those bootlegs have not survived. On May 1st in Philly, here's the little story she told before. So this girl, right, she, uh, she never made it onto Little Earthquakes, and she's still pissed off at me. And so she said, you're playing me tonight, and you're going to tell them that I came first, and that you ignored me. And I said, yes, 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 yes. I love what she does here in the second verse in Kansas City on June 13th at the Memorial Hall. And here's probably the first time you ever heard it in Los Angeles, June 30th at the Greek. Here I'm like, get any money. I got this city. 
Right? That was the first time I heard it. What does she do? I love the second verse because she's just free. She's letting herself go wild. She's saying whatever she wants and like it's just making noises. Mm -hmm. That whole show was wild. Yeah, I bet. The third of three. She was digging deep into her catalog and presumably she'd knocked out the industry shows. So it was like fans only for this third one. She was like, Mm. I'm a be me. It was right around this time on the tour where she started like having little outbursts during Take to the Sky, which is always so surprising to me. Uh And they're listed on YouTube, some of them as Take to the Sky slash improv outburst. And it's just the phrase outburst. I know. It's It's, so fun to me. It is funny. We're going to play our outburst montage from the 96 tour. We'll have four back-to-back, Eugene, Toledo, Providence, and then Normal, Illinois, where everything is anything but normal. Normal, Illinois was one of the best shows ever. I agree. outburst outburst why do you think she started inserting part of a spoonful of sugar because it helped the medicine go down but what's the medicine failure the medicine is confidence believing in yourself mm. do you think taking to the sky made her think of mary poppins flying and she was like i know that's actually probably yeah who knows mm. ow, 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 ow. Ow. stop it 
1998 tour, Tori Amos performed this song six times. Will you explain something to me? Please. I'll try. This song begs to be played with the band. She never played it with the band once on the plug tour. It never made any sense to me. Really? Yes. It makes total sense to me. Why? Because it is not the vibe that she was setting with the band. She was setting a dark vibe. Even songs that were upbeat, like Tallulah had that whole intro. Like, it was all dark. The Waitress, Precious Things. It didn't fit the band vibe. But it's a fun solo moment. I That's why it makes sense to me. But that's what I think. I'm not convinced. You don't have to be. We can hold separate opinions. Okay. I don't like it. But we can sometimes. <laughs> this is a little story she told in Atlanta at the Chastain Park Amphitheater on August 18th. Um, this is the first one I, I wrote for the Little Earthquakes. And of course it didn't make the record. Nothing that's my favorite song that um, I ever do ever makes my records. So, um, here we go. This is revisionist history. History? To say that it's her favorite song from the Little Earthquakes era when she was really singing Upside Down's praises and literally singing Upside Down. Maybe they're both her favorite. There can be only one. Maybe they're twins. The only performance that matters from this year is November 14th, Sessions at West 54th. Bury, bury deep in my but my priests, you won't say on themselves. My father says that you ain't making any money. My doctor said you just took it to the limit. And here I stand with this sword in my hand. In 1999, on the Five and a Half Weeks tour, she performed it only one time, but she also performed it on Atlanta 99X on August 21st, 1999. Roll it, Ollie. So are you guys doing well? Are you good? I'm sure interesting things have been happening to you. Just anybody want to know anything? You can ask me anything. (laughs) Well, I'm working. I'm doing a show in Nashville, but hopefully um, later I'm going to have a good bottle of wine and a good shag. Okay. So one and a half K. You can give me that. She performed it one time on the To Dallas and Back tour and eight times on the solo tour. She loved it in 99 Solo. Loved it. Do you think she felt like she was getting near her recording contract with Atlantic and that's why she was playing it so much? Possible. She was like, I just nailed you fucks with a double album to try to get out of this. I think somewhere along the way, honestly, in like 94. Because how surprised she sounded when the first person requested it 
front of stage in 92, how surprised she was like, oh. And then she started realizing like, this is a real crowd pleaser. <laughs> and like by the end of 94, people are like dying for the song, like clapping along and everything. I just think that it's a really good song to lift up a crowd that she can perform solo and it's easy. It's not complicated piano. It's not complicated vocal. And it's fun. I think that's why. Yeah, especially during a solo set, I imagine this can scratch the same itch as leather. If she's exactly. like, I'm losing them. I need something a little more upbeat that's a crowd pleaser and a toe tapper. Yeah, and most of these 99 solo shows were very short sets. There were two that were traditional solo shows, but the other six were in-store like or radio concerts. Yeah, and a lot of them were sort of holiday shows where she was playing to an audience that wasn't necessarily there for her. So I think she was trying to rope in the casual listener. Oh, yeah. Yes, rope it. This is November 28th, 1999 on Star 98.7 when it actually opened the show. Two days later in Providence at Veterans Memorial Auditorium. In 2001, at the Union Chapel Church Show, she played this song after raining blood. Boom. It's raining blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's raining blood. <laughs> <laughs> that London performance. The bridge returned. The bridge returns. She took it to church. If a you know don't a like a. If a you know a don't a like a. There's not Noah. It's just don't a like a. I can't do it. I'm sorry. It's like the end of Happy Phantom. I just can't do it. Strange. So strange. That tour was strange. In 2001, on the Strange Little Tour, Tori Amos performed this song 23 times. Uh, Calm down. She was feeling it. No, play it every night. This is a Tori Amos staple. Here is my favorite of the era. This is from the Strange Little Webcast on October 12th, 2001. That webcast was strange. It was so weird. Ooh. 
take it, take it, take it, boys. I take it, take it, take it. I take it, take it, take it, take it. Oh, this house is like a Russia. And this is from Poland, Radio 3 Mini Concert, December 16th, 2001. So, funnily enough, this next song, I spent a lot of time out in the desert in my life. I love the desert. And um, I'm always writing about the cold when I'm in the desert and the ice and Eastern Europe, and I don't know what's going on. And I'm not doing uh, magic mushrooms or anything when I'm out there. People think I'm out of it most of the time, and I've just got my Evian hanging out in the desert. And uh, this is one of the ones that came to me while I was just with the, uh, with the snakes. I recently spent time in the desert. Did you write a song? I didn't, but I'm directing a music video for a song. Ooh. In the desert, so I am like Tori Amos. Can you see the connection? Mm-hmm. You see the resemblance? Sometimes I can't tell you two apart. Thank you. Especially when you're doing Carla Steve's backing vocals. Clip clop, clip clop. On Scarlet's Walk, Tori performed this song 63 times, plus one time in the Scarlet Sessions taping for about 66% of the shows, as well as an additional 17 times on the Lotta Pianos tour, which is around 60% of the shows for that tour, and one final time at the Boston Mix Fest she did a month after tour ended. Ugh, I'm exhausted just reading my own writing, David. I know, your eyes probably want to take to the sky. Or actually have a seat. I'm coming, I'm floating back down. You got this. This was likely the period of most evolution of the song, what would you say? And most performed, question mark? Yeah, absolute staple. Why do you think that is? I have a guess, I have an idea, I have a theory, you go first. You go first. Because she had switched record labels, and this was kind of her, like, kiss off initially to a record label executive, so I think she was like, have a seat, Atlantic, I'm on Epic now, uh-oh, there's gonna be more trouble, but a different kind of trouble. I think your earlier thought was more accurate. What was it? Where you said, like, you were surprised that it wasn't a band song, and I thought, like, the 98 band vibe was so much darker, but this jazz band vibe, it's kind of like a, just like an upbeat song. And I just think it's such a crowd pleaser. It sits in that sweet spot of her voice, but maybe, maybe she's saying, fuck you Atlantic. I'm with Epic now. I think so. You know, two things can be true at once. No, you may be team verb. I may be team noun, but we know it's not team both. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> we know that for sure. Well, that's true. This was arguably the period of the most evolution for the song. So we're going to get into it. Mm. We're only going to play nine from this tour. And it's so difficult for me to pick those nine. We're going to listen to it nine times? Yeah, in its entirety. Exactly. Oh my God. I've listened to all 251 surviving performances. So I'm giving you some leeway. November 7th, 2002 in Tampa Bay, Florida is the first time she performed this with a band and it already had the take two ending so here we go
This is from November 14th, Scarlet Sessions. It was broadcast on the Trio channel on May 5th, 2003. About a month has gone by, a little less than a month, and she's starting to play around with the take two ending here in Toronto on November 22nd. Take a listen. This performance is really special to me, David. This is December 7th, 2002 in Salt Lake City. And you know why this is special to me? Tell me why. Because Saker and I went backstage after this show. And I remember, as if I were sitting there now, how clear she was that this house is like Russia, meaning Salt Lake City, meaning the church. Sure. Meaning... Mormonism. LDS. Yeah, exactly. She was literally pointing down like she did in the trio performance. (laughs) She's saying, this house. This house. Just so you know, I'm speaking of religion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to be subtle. It's going to be subtle, but I will speak of it. from Berlin, Germany, February 1st, 2002. And this is the first time she ever did this.
I listened to all of them, but I had to listen to all the takes of this guy's from Scarlet's Walk because that's when she started with I Feel the Earth Move. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I charted and got the exact right day, the exact day she started. And it came out almost fully formed in Paris, France on February 4th, 2003. Take a listen. So there's like nowhere online that points to this performance and says this is the first one. I had to do the research on my own. Mm. <laughs> do your own research. <laughs> what could go wrong? We have some quotes about Carol King and Tori's link to her. You want to read this from Mojo Magazine, June 2007? Tori says, I remember the babysitter bringing this record with her one night. I was four or five at the time, and I was entranced by it. Over the next couple of weeks, it was my goal to play every single song. I was in trouble because I was supposed to be playing Mozart. Carol King is one of the greatest songwriters ever. Her songs are like stories or sonic movies. You want to walk into them. With I Feel the Earth Move or It's Too Late, you're right there. Some people have emotions they talk about. With Carol King, you sense how she really feels. And this is from The Guardian, February 2021. She says, In 1971, a cool teenage babysitter put the new album Tapestry on the stereo. And at seven years old, my mind was blown. Mind blown emoji. It was almost as if Mother Earth herself was singing to us. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There was a clarity to the storytelling, whether the songs had us dancing with them or haunting us as we sat cross-legged on the worn Methodist rug. And after we had laughed and cried during the playing of the album, we were both very sure that in Carol King, we had both found a new friend for life. I'm wondering if Take to the Sky with I Feel the Earth Boob is going to come screeching back on the upcoming Ocean to Ocean tour. Oh, it has to. Yeah. It has to. This song has never missed a tour except for Goldust, but mm -hmm. yeah. After she performs the Carol King bit in Paris, she doesn't even perform Take to the Sky for the next two shows. Then she performs it a few more times in the U.S. at the beginning of the second leg, but without the Carol King bit. And she brings the Carol King bit back in Charlotte, so it needed like a buffer zone. And the first mention of I Feel the Earth Move online at all is from Danica. After the Charlotte show on the dent, Mike Y says, Danica enjoyed the show tonight in Charlotte. Thank God. I'm so glad. I know. That's like faint praise. She enjoyed it. It was fine. <laughs> she enjoyed it. Tori did a little improv with lyrics that included, go to the White House for me. During Take to the Sky, Tori did the chorus of Carol King's I Feel the Earth Move Under My Feet, singing the words, I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down three times. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your detail, Danica. So in this case, is she meeting the sky halfway? Like she's taking to it, but this guy is also tumbling down. So they meet somewhere in the middle, I guess. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Interesting. It's like the whole song's about purgatory, actually. Yeah. I feel like this quote, too, and that idea just kind of exposed Tori's laziness. Go to the White House for me. <laughs> Go to the White House for me. Go yourself. <laughs> Go yourself, girl. Yeah. I'm on tour right now. <laughs> I'm just going to play my three favorite, and this is March 8th, 2003, New York City, Radio City Hall, night three.
something interesting about this song that doesn't happen with other songs is that whenever she does double nights in a city or triple nights in a city in this case, she plays it all of the nights. She doesn't care that you saw it the night before. You know how she like will change her set list, especially if you go two nights in a row in the same city, there'll be like nothing the same. Mm-hmm. Take to the Sky is always there if she does a double show, both nights. It's very interesting. On this tour? On all tours, until like towards the festival shows in 2015, she didn't do that, but always. On April 18, 2003 in Santa Barbara, this is the first time from the stage in the song, she says, Maddie and Mr. John. I just thought it was cute. April 27th, 2003 in Houston, Texas is possibly the best performance of this song from this tour I've ever heard in my entire life. And I was there live sitting next to Bill McGee and I had my mind blown. Here we go. In 2003, on the Lot of Pianos tour, she performed this 17 times, and here's August 1st, 2003 in Los Angeles.
This is September 4th, 2003 in West Palm Beach. obviously from Welcome to Sunny Florida, and she switched it up to play Muhammad, my friend, in the end bit. But you know what I really want to play? I want to play September 3rd, 2003 in Orlando, but you know why I can't? Because it's been lost to time. Ugh, it's in the lost and found at Disney World somewhere. That night was the first night she played Muhammad, my friend, in the song, and we all had front row. It was the second to last show. We all had front row. We were getting ready to feel the earth move, because what we would do on tours, we would jump up, you know? You like have to feel the earth move. And she's like, usually says, and I feel and I feel and I feel but she was like and it's time and it's time and it's time and we all jumped up and then she launched him on my friend and we all had no idea what to do it was like the most awkward thing mm. and she was laughing at us from the stage it was really embarrassing God. <laughs> some of us sat down some of us kept dancing it was hilarious she finally got her revenge for that red carpet prank. When that kid was insisting she was Tori Spelling, she pulled the red carpet out from under you guys and you got Muhammad mm-hmm. instead of I feel the earth move. I also love the idea of jumping to your feet as if you're all reacting to the earth actually moving every time. Like, what was that? Did you feel that? Yeah, we felt <laughs> the earth move. <laughs> This is the first time she did Take to the Sky with the Carol King bit solo. This is October 3rd at the Boston Mix Fest. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel my earth move, my earth 
Would you rather feel the earth move or land the eagle? I would rather feel the earth move. Same. In 2005, on the original Sensuality Tour, she did this song 17 times. And on the Summer of Sin Tour, she did it twice. And I was able to narrow it down to my one favorite, May 18, 2005. Roll it, Ollie. Mommy, why is the earth moving? <laughs> Mommy, why are that lady's panties so purple? On the American Doll Posse Tour, you know what? It's really hard to narrow down an era of like my favorite takes of the skies. Well, but, try. Well, if I had to, <laughs> it would be this era. Really? More than 2003? I'm shocked. <laughs> I mean, I love 2002, 2003, but here in 2007, this song has morphed over time. And it used to be about like proving people wrong, right? In the 2007 era, she was horny. <laughs> she was so horny. What? <laughs> she, she was so horny in this song. Like, in, not just in general, like specifically in this song in this song and she was performing it as tori right tori horny tori <laughs> before we get into the horny montage this is may 30th 2007 in florence italy this is the first time that the band started playing before her it didn't start with dun dun, sh, dun, dun, dun. they have like a whole intro now <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. That's what makes the song when she starts and then they can join in whenever, but she's got to start it, I think. I know, I agree. I was like, how dare you start before her? <laughs> June 2nd, 2007. She's just having fun, you know? She's just horny. She's just going off, whatever. Something to note is this is the first time she added synth to the song. Does it approximate the studio version or is she doing something totally different? Oh, she's wilding. She's oh my wilding. God, wild. 
October 18th, 2007 is possibly my favorite, favorite. This one rivals Houston 03. Leg and Boot, and I couldn't resist. I have to play it. It's one of my favorites. August 1st, 2008, in Dranitor, she performed this with Earth Move again because she had cut it out for 2005 2007, and it came back. There's no telling what's going to happen with the song. It's wildly unpredictable. Would you compare it more to The Waitress in the way that it evolved or Blood Roses Five and a Half Weeks? Uh, or neither? Uh, neither. Blood Roses Five and a Half Weeks was unrecognizable. It was, but I mostly mean after the bridge, the way it would evolve and she would improvise with a yeah, yeah, chickens, a unity, a Mr. Jam. I hear what you're saying. It doesn't evolve like that, like every night it gets longer and different Mm -hmm. it evolves it's like every tour there's something in it different but it generally stays the same in the tour except for 0203 like did evolve because she was playing with the band for the first time so it like grew and grew but now it's not like that i don't think anyhow thank you for the question in 2009 Tori played this song 20 times, every time with I Feel the Earth Move section, 17 times on the Sinful Attraction Tour, two times on the Sinful Attraction Solo Tour, and one time in a pre-show performance at South by Southwest with this cute little moment. Roll it.
This is July 18, 2009 in Phoenix, Arizona, and I have a story about this. Are you ready? I'm ready. This was the night that Tori looked at me and instantly started singing Home on the Ranch. And then... Has that happened more than once? <laughs> no, that happened to me one time, but okay. that was this was the show. And this was the last song in the set. We had rushed. I was pressed front center in her eyeline, which is at the piano, like in her eyeline. And you know, I'm vibing. I'm like loving it. Not only does she come down at the end of the show and touch only my hands, looking right at me in the eyes, only mine and refusing everyone else's and then leaves and that's on YouTube. Not only does she do that but right before she does that, at the end of Take to the Sky, she says into the microphone looking right at me with her hands like clasped in like prayer position. She bows her head at me and she says many blessings. I swear to God, it was the most Native American thing you've ever seen. She loves me. Oh my gosh. Even when you just started to tell this story, I was imagining like the prayer hand emoji before I even knew where this story was going. I don't know why (laughs) but I was. Or maybe because you (laughs) use it a lot when we text so that just oh, yeah, came to mind <laughs> is that why you do it you're like many blessings that's what that implies when you send it to me <laughs> it will now it will now roll that clip oliver On July 28, 2009, in Orlando, Florida, I don't want anybody to dare think that I didn't listen to Take to the Skies in their entirety. I listened to all 251 completely. Not just the bridge, not just the ends, well, the whole thing. I've just been playing the bridges. There's no that's the real most exciting way for part. us to test or verify that. Well, I could live stream myself doing it again. Oh, you should. <laughs> but then everybody else would have to watch it, too. Oh, my gosh. And then we can time lapse it and watch you slowly becoming a skeleton. <laughs> yeah. July 28, 2009, this is some non-bridge fun. <laughs> August 14th, 2009 in Red Bank, New Jersey. There's just a weird ass bridge out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. out that in 2009 she started doing this interesting change in the bridge started to say i'm trying to heal you or feel you you're trying to heal me you're trying to heal this oh my god was she workshopping the bridge of unrepentant heraldines oh maybe interesting this wasn't the first performance this just is a really good recording of it this is october 3rd in paris why do you take it from me 
And the last time this song was performed with the band to date was October 9th in Zerbze, Poland. Zabzer, Zabriz, <laughs> Poland. <laughs> In the 2010 summer tour, Tori performed this eight times, and here's in Bruges on July 11th, blood moment is that that's why i said when she said carol king felt like it was like the earth mother singing to us all that made such sense to me that quote makes sense to me with this performance that if she's channeling carol king again you know whenever she's added the earth move it's been political right it's been like washington etc etc so here now it's like about our land like her train of thought makes complete sense to me totally and that is why across the ocean i can feel this song gathering its powers for the coming tour she's like there are those who don't give a goddamn i feel the earth exactly exactly oh yeah motherfuckers (laughs) 2011 on the night of hunter's tour she performed it five times and this is the first time she did it with detour October 29th in Brussels. Is 
So the reason I think Datura is paired with this song, I think that she'd gone through this whole, like, I'm trying to heal you, you're trying to heal me, clearly about the earth, maybe even her husband, whatever, we're trying to heal this together, but that, is there room in my heart for you to follow your heart and not need more blood from the tip of your star, not keep taking from you, which is what Take to the Sky is about, like, is there room in your heart for me to follow my heart? Like, can you have a seat while I take to the sky? Yeah, have a seat, get out of my garden. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like it made total sense to me suddenly why these were paired together. I had never realized that before, but I'm sticking to it. She did not perform this in 2012 at all, but she made up for it by performing it at the one 2013 show in Caprice in Kranz, Montana, Switzerland on March 10, 2013. I know I got In 2014, on the Unrepentant Geraldine's tour, she performed this 21 times, and I have three little clips to share with you. This is my favorite solo performance of this song, honestly. This is from the Unrepentant Geraldine's promo party in Berlin, April 8th, 2014. I encourage everybody to watch this YouTube video, which we'll link to it in our show notes. It's just, she looks amazing. It's heartbreaking. I love it. It's like, it's like, it's like. That moment really was like, here comes the hot mama back on the mm-hmm. scene. She's back, boys. Mama's back in town. Hot mama playing a song. Hot mama in the ladies' room. On June 15th, 2014, in Moscow, she just had to, nya, 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 Russia.
She did a dangled Russia she in front of us. Russia. I want to point out that on this tour, there started to be this like new ending to the song. And this is, again, not the first time she did it, but a good recording of it. July 18th in Portland. In 2015, she performed the song three times, all with the Detura Bridge. But I want to get ahead to 2017, the Native Invader Tour. The Native Invader Tour. Where I feel the earth move and Detura appear together in the song, a rare appearance of the twins, on September 16th in Frankfurt. It's as if Detura, which had been living in the song for like, at this point, six years, was passing the baton back to I feel the earth move. That's how I felt. time she's performed this song to date but not the last time probably ever because there's a new tour happening this is december 2nd 2017 in los angeles california and if you listen carefully i bet you can hear sophia dancing down to get to the rush early mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stealing that move girl on the next tour <laughs> that's what you do when you only get one trip to the salad bar instead of all you can eat you just have to look mm-hmm. confident if you're gonna go back and they won't yeah. question you just saunter yeah. on over mm-hmm. you're speaking of the uh sizzler meal and salad bar where you can only go once I I sure am, but it applies to any yep. salad bar, really. I feel my earth 
I have a question for you. Okay. What's your favorite bridge? My favorite bridge always has been and always will be. I feel the earth move. Okay. Yes. Uh, let's get out of this goddamn lounge. My butt print. She told us to take a seat and then we didn't move for like four hours. I know. My back hurts. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the AMOS Live Lounge. Goodbye. Well, we did it, David. That was exhausting. I do need to have a seat. I need to sit down and relax. We, <laughs> we took to the sky. Oh, my gosh. When you hear her taking to the sky or saying, have a seat while I take to the sky, do you imagine her like shooting up like a rocket with like wind lines? I <laughs> imagine her getting shot out of a cannon. Like the Incredibles? Whoosh. Yeah. Or riding a broomstick. Really? Yeah. You could imagine her sitting on a cloud, like looking down at everyone. Mm-hmm. Or getting shot into space. Oh, like into Venus. There's so many methods of transportation. There really is. Here's something I haven't even asked you this whole time. Do you like flying? I'm a nervous flyer. What does that mean? I don't love air travel. I don't like travel. Turbulence. <laughs> mm, 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 I white knuckle mm. it. I'm grasping my armrests. I'm like, oh. I love to fly, and I don't get nervous at all on planes. I used to be petrified of the tiniest little shake. Yeah. Until the first time I was ever on a plane with Lisa B, because I remember looking over at her during a turbulent moment, and she worked for an airline, and so she flew all the time. I remember looking over her during a turbulent moment, and she was like sipping her coffee, reading a book, like not a care in the world. Cool as a cucumber, as always, that Lisa B. Absolutely. And I was like, oh okay, then this ain't nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. And like, I want to be that calm in the storm for everyone around me. Like, oh, he's well-traveled. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't even care. We've just dropped 10,000 feet. He knows how to work the seatbelt. That's me. We could all endeavor to be more like Lisa B. That's not a bad philosophy in this life. Lisa B is the one person they let still smoke on airplanes. <laughs> Absolutely. They put like a little suction cup out of the window so she can like blow it out. Mm -hmm. She does it. They crack open the little door for her. Mm -hmm. In extreme turbulence, she's just smoking a cigarette like it's nothing. Yeah. I knew you were a nervous flyer. I already knew that you and I couldn't fly together and you wanted to know how. I knew. Why? How? Because when I booked our flights for the book tour that never happened, I booked us a red eye and I was like, okay, we'll hop off the plane and then we'll just go straight to the meet and greet. <laughs> and you're like, uh, what about sleeping? I'm like, sleep on the plane. Why does it have to be like the worst possible conditions under which to do things? Like, let's exhaust ourselves and make our lives difficult for no reason. How is it's that? It's not like Tori's going to reward that kind of behavior. First of all, that to me is the best possible conditions. To me, hopping off the plane and getting straight to the meet and greet to see your friends, that's the best. No, I need to sleep with my blinders on. You can sleep on the plane. It's like being a baby in a car. You fall asleep in the car because of the motion. That's how I am on a plane. I have my best sleeps on the plane. My best sleeps. I cannot sleep on a plane. There has not been a single flight I've stayed awake for. <laughs> Ever. I have my deepest, best, uninterrupted sleeps on planes. I don't understand it. Well, you're lucky that you're more petite and diminutive than I am. Oh my God. Thank you. Someone noticed. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I have like no leg room. I'm basically like folded in half. You call me short? Yeah. Wow. I said small, petite. Thank you. Junior. I just wanted to hear it again. I'm plus size. You have taller legs than me, maybe. Yeah, I'm all legs. Even getting squished, it helps me sleep better. Mm-hmm. You like to be swaddled? Yeah, I would love to be. Do you know a swaddler? But he's gotta be hot. Putting the call over a hot swaddler. 
If you like what we do, head over to songsoftoriamos.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. You can follow us on all our socials at Songs of Toriamos on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can email us, songsoftoriamos at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 323-296-9955. Or if you really like what we do, you can head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoriamos and become a supporter today. There's new audio content at every level. So no matter what level you enter in as a patron, you'll have new and unheard audio content to listen to from our Patreon feed. And if you don't like what we do, then why do you hang around? If you know don't like us just a, a little, little well, well, why do you... Listen, listen, listen. Listen, 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 <laughs> listen. This show is like a Russia. A B-side from Native Invader. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. The freedom she had to name that song Russia because she had never named a song Russia before oh, officially. <laughs> she gave herself an out. Although she could have just named it Russia 2. Exactly. Could you imagine Upside Down 2 and Russia, Russia 2? The oh, shock man. upon our faces when we saw that track listing. Unbelievable. She sequelized herself. There are those who never give a goddamn. Yeah, those who don't give a goddamn. All right. Everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. We sure will. Bye. Bye. Drive All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned in this episode, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. This webcast is so strange.